Welcome to ECB Everything College Basketball. Cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's everything college basketball. We're marching on to the madness. Come to the full court press. Every crazy dunk in the conference and how that team's match up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not with, and who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums. Plus those crazy rants from Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. It's ECB. Everything college basketball. Training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB. Everything college basketball. Training three. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for Your host, from the corner It's Josh and Peyton Burton With Tyler Cool Everything College Basketball Podcast To another edition of Everything College Basketball, episode 43. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. Peyton Burton. Tyler Cook. And we are presented and brought to you by, as always, our good friends from Applied Right Painting and Restoration. All your painting needs, hit up JRO, or as he's affectionately known now on Facebook, Larry Rowe Jr. Hit him up for all your painting needs. But, ladies and gentlemen, we come to you one week down officially in the college basketball season. We came to you last week or in the last episode where we were excited for the start of the season. It's finally tipped off, and what craziness has already ensued. Not a lot of upsets, should we say, but just a lot of crazy plays, big-time players making big-time plays. College basketball is already back in the full swing of things. Yeah, definitely a crazy week for college basketball. Not just for all the games that we watched, which we've seen some good games, but mainly because there's some stuff like that's coming down in Memphis that's crazy to talk about, and just a lot of craziness happened. But I am happy college basketball is finally back. Like Peyton alluded to, the newsworthy stuff coming out of uh, Memphis with Penny. You know, we talked about Penny all summer, about how can you do this, how can you do that. Well, he may have uh, got himself into a little trouble already. You know, we had a we had a big-time injury with Miles Powell getting taken out for a little bit with his knee. Yeah. But uh, the, the timetable for that is still up in the air. So hopefully we get one of the best college scorers in the league back sooner rather than later, because I know, along with Peyton and Josh, myself, we all enjoy this guy. For sure. So it would be nice to get him back on the floor. Yeah, and we'll talk about more of that stuff here uh, later on in the show in our news segment. But Miles Powell, you mentioned him too, and we'll get into this later on as well. Um, they need him back ASAP, not only for their chances, but they've got Michigan State coming in later on this week. Big-time matchup we'll preview here later on as well. But – Normally we'd save this kind of stuff for news, but before we go on air, uh, Tyler's seen the news that just had broke that uh, Cassius Winston's brother had just passed away. Tyler, what'd you say it was from? He was uh, he was struck by a train in in their hometown of uh, of Michigan. He's playing for a local college up there, and just some um, it didn't go into too graphic detail, but it was just an unfortunate event where he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and and was unfortunately his life was taken by a, a train hitting him. Yeah, so uh, obviously our condolences are sent to Cassius Winston, his family, Michigan State, everybody that's involved in that. That's uh, that's that's rough. We've obviously 
unluckily, I guess, had had this happen to us before last season a couple times. So not a good way, but our condolences to the Cassius Winston and family. Um, makes you wonder tonight, they actually have a game tonight at home against Binghamton if he's even going to suit up and play or, you know, if he's going to be back home with family. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, the, the best way, in my opinion, is to get out there and, and do what you love to do and, and have that be a nice fuel to your fire and go out there and, and put on a show and give your family a, a few moments to to take their mind off of the tragedy and, and, and watch and watch you do the thing that you've been doing ever since you were probably four or five years old. So I, I'd be supportive if you played. That's what I would do just to try and clear my mind. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, I know that's what we would all probably do, but we'll see. Uh, either way, condolences to the Winston family on that. Let's go ahead and before we kind of get in our main topics of college basketball, everything. We had a big college football game on the other side of our, our uh, relatives, I guess you would say, on the college football spectrum. Number It should have been one versus two, but the new college football rankings came out. It put them number two LSU, going to Tuscaloosa, number three. Stadium packed 101,000 deep down in Tuscaloosa. President Trump and uh, his wife were at the game, if that tells you anything. And we seen one hell of a college football game. And at the end of the day, the number one team in all of the land – resides in the Louisiana State Tigers. Go Tigers. I watched this game. I was super excited. I was waiting all weekend for this game, particularly because it's been eight long years since LSU have beaten Alabama. And that was the quote-unquote game of the century. Game of the century, nine foot. We beat them nine to six me, in that game. Me, you, and Chris, our friend Chris, we were watching at Chris's first house down down the road there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we beat them 9-6, and we call it the game of the century. I think this is definitely the game of the year. I don't think anybody else can contest to that. LSU is definitely the best team in the nation. Our running back, Edwards Alaire, is probably the most underrated running back in the nation. He lit it up. And same thing for Najee Harris for Alabama. There's the battle of number 22 running backs for both teams. And Joe Burrow, he's the Heisman winner right now. He's definitely the front runner. If he's not, then you are crazy. Um, he, he, he torched up Alabama. Like, he yeah. touched them up real good. Some of them touch passes. Not only that, but he uses legs. Uh, he scrambled for, I think, like 60 yards. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, almost 400 yards. And then the, his counterpart coming off the injury, Tua Tagovailoa, threw 411 yards. He had those two mega costly turnovers yeah. that ended up hurting Alabama. But what a game. You talked about Eclair, the running back. He, I swear, the way he's bouncing off, carrying defenders. At one time, Alabama needed to stop. He literally drug all, like, nine Alabama defensive linemen and linebackers to a first down. All of them on his back, they're trying to strip the ball. He carries the pile to a first down. He reminded me a lot of Benny Snell. Yeah, well, that one touchdown he had, I think it was the second one before the last one he had, he got the ball and he's in the red zone. He spun moved the dude. Oh, that he was got the beautiful. Touchdown. That was beautiful. And then the other touchdown he had, the dagger. Um... He uh, bounced off a couple of defenders and ran into him. So he was incredible. I think he played better in one quarter than Leonard Fournette and Darius Scott did in the whole game against Alabama. Yeah. Um, so they went in. We thought LSU's been the best team all year, but that was their litmus test. It's like you think of college basketball, certain teams can't get over that hump. Um, well, you think of last year, Kansas dominates the Big 12, the conference as a whole, but even more so, Kansas State. You, what was that stat over like the last 30 years? Kansas is like 55 and 5 against them or something like that. Yeah. I think they've had their first home victory with the, in 25 years when Beasley was there. So, but it led to Kansas State finally got over that hump of not only beating Kansas, but it led them to share the Big 12 last year. Yep. 
this was the litmus test, has been, always has been for LSU. They go into Tuscaloosa to take care of business. I'm with you, Joe Burrow's favorite for the Heisman now. He's going to be a super NBA or NFL prospect. Yeah, um, I think he'd be a, a guy that plays in the league forever if he wants to. Great legs, great arm, good vision, touch pass, like everything you want from a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Aranda called a hell of a game for LSU on the offensive oh side. God, yeah. Hell of a game. I- I'm happy for Coach O. Did you see his interview? Oh, yeah. I watched all of it. He seems like a big, lovable, like, dude. Hey, we're going to do this every single year. He looks yeah. like Bobby Boucher. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, on a side note, everything <laughs> college football coming 2020. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't tempt us. Hey, don't. Um, last thing I'm going to say about this game. Last year, Alabama shut us out 29 to nothing. Um, on our home turf. I knew it was going to be a different game. As soon as Alabama had that first drive, and Tua had a wide-open touchdown, and he fumbled the ball, Just and we went, and Joe Burrow threw a pass to um, – I can't think of his name right now. Number one, he caught it. Was he it, it Je- uh, Jefferson? No, he's number two. I think it was uh, – it starts with a C, like Charles or something like that. Chase. Chase, Chase, that's Chase yes, yes. I'm he gonna threw say a touchdown. Well, Chase, and he got it, scored a touchdown. After Tua fumbled that ball, I knew it was going to be different. I really don't think they had a lot of miscues. The fumble, um, the, the punt, punter, the punt, and then yeah. after that, they had 12 men in the, 12 men in the field that all gave us the Two and third interception, but all credit to Alabama, too. That shows how great they are. LSU is dominating, and they come out in the second half and just light them up. LSU did, did just enough second half. Great win for LSU. You talk about now four wins against the top ten in the AP poll at the time. At, on the road at Texas, they beat Auburn. Was that at home or – we beat Florida. Florida um, at home. Florida at home. Auburn. Uh, on the Plains, I think. It was it? It was home. Because last year was And then Alabama. Alabama on the road. They've still got four games to figure this out, so you'd hate to see them slip up. But Tigers uh, Tigers rolling strong right yeah. now in football. Our final three games, we play at Ole Miss, and then we get home against Arkansas and home against A&M. So, so those are the last three games. So two tough ones in Arkansas, the dumpster fire. But <laughs> good stuff on the college football spectrum here. But even better stuff on our end on the college basketball side. We will pre or review the games from this past week, the Champions Classic, the ACC openers, and everything in between. But before we do that, Peyton, show a little love to our friends Conrad Cushman and everything pro wrestling, who, by the way, covered last night's AEW full gear pay-per-view. Yep, Conrad Cushman is the host of the Everything Pro Wrestling podcast. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans, and you can find that podcast on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast hosting sites. He also has a YouTube channel, so go to YouTube.com and search by typing everything pro wrestling and hit that subscribe button. Yeah, go check out. Just last night was AEW's first pay-per-view since they've been on national TV. It was Full Gear in Baltimore, Maryland. Of course, you know our guys at Everything Pro Wrestling have you covered from from bell to bell and then even the post-game stuff, uh, like always. They do as good a job as anybody, so go check out Everything Pro Wrestling if you haven't by now. But we're going to take our first break of the show. On the other side, Tyler, what are we talking about? College football. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming back. Championships Classic. We previewed it. It happened. We're going to give you the ins and outs on it, boys. We'll be right back. We talked about, before we went to break, the craziness that was number two LSU versus number three Alabama on the college football spectrum things. How about to start the year off in college basketball? Madison Square Garden, you open up with number three Kansas. 
versus number four, Duke. To start us off, what a game. Um, Duke prevails 68-66 in a game that was riddled by turnovers, riddled by sloppy play, stuff you'd expect in the first game of the year. But despite all of that, ended up being a damn good way to kick off the college basketball slate. Tyler, obviously these are your boys. Not the way you want to start off, but let's hear what you think after a, a big Duke win and kind of, I guess, disappointing start to the season, if you want to say it that way. I don't know. The only thing that disappointed me in this game, honestly, was the turnovers. We out-rebounded. We got to the free throw line more. We shot a better percentage. When we were in our sets, we got we shot at least 46% from the field. These guys, Kansas did everything they needed to do offensively when they had control of the ball. Duke was just putting pressure. Kansas making sloppy plays. I think uh, Adoka Azabuke was really trying to force the issue, really trying to get back into the flow of the game. He had, I think, he had at least five travels yeah, he, at minimum. Him and um, Desosa, well, him and Desosa, three possessions in a row travels. Uh, Desosa oh. had the first one, and then um, Dope down in the post, shuffle on his feet, like three. Talking about the turnovers, Tyler, you had 18 in the first half, 28 overall, two away from tying the school record that was set 30 years ago, 28 turnovers overall. I mean, it's a very unlikely uh, Kansas statistic. It is a very unlikely statistic. But when it happened in 1988, they cut the motherfucking nets down. (laughs) So there's a stat for you, boys and girls, if you didn't know that. But, uh, yeah, Duke did everything they needed to do defensively. Offensively, they were kind of shitty they really didn't shoot well from outside trey jones went five for uh, five for 14 wowzers you know that was one of peyton's key points of victory was trey jones getting out there and, and playing well offensively he, he had 15 points but he shot like 32 percent from the field it wasn't it wasn't the greatest onslaught still not a shooter we talked about it no. last week the three of us he may you can see all these videos and warm-ups and preseason that like oh his forms changed he's hitting a few I, we said don't buy stock into it. And he still, the only shot that i seen jump shot that he hit would end up being the, really the one that mattered kind of yeah. late. Did a little bounce in and hit every part of the fucking rim and fell in. Of Kansas's 28 turnovers, though, how many do you think, looking back, though, were um, dead ball well, yeah, dead ball turnovers, like travels, throwing the ball out of bounds, stuff that um, were self-inflicted. That's a good way to put it. I would say 16. Yeah. I think that's a higher. It's definitely more than 50% of their turnovers. I'd say were. 16 of them because there was some balls that they just threw off of people's sh- off each other's shins, you know, stupid travels, three in the key. I don't know. I, they may even got a five-second inbounding one time. Just, just silly stuff that shouldn't happen. Turned around next game. I mean, it was against a weaker opponent, but they only had ten. So it's 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 a work in progress, especially when you're playing against a team that's got Duke across their chest the very first game of the season. It's not going to be any cupcake. Duke coach Coach K did exactly what he needed to do to game plan these boys to get ready, and defense was on the mind. Yeah, Double but, team and Doke and everything. Yeah, it was a big plays down there to stop that big man. Yeah, and I think some of it you can attribute to Kansas's woes being first game of the year. Stuff happens, right? I think the other part, you have to give credit to Duke's defense. The first three or four minutes of the game in our game third, I talked about it. Duke's defense looked shaky because Kansas was kind of doing what they wanted. But whatever happened during one of them TV timeouts, Duke came in more focused, (laughs) locked down. They were just the amount of ball pressure they put on the ball handler. And then, like you said, anytime Adoka got it, um, Lightfoot was – no, McCormick, not Lightfoot, sorry, McCormick – or DeSosa in the block, they were rotating guys either from the 
the strong side helping down, or they were running somebody weak side, opposite ball to come out, and they were helping that helper out. They were forcing Kansas into playing way faster than they wanted to in the half court. I think some of it, too, we talked about. I think it showed its head early, at least in this game. You're going against a good Duke defense, but outside of Devon Dotson, Kansas doesn't have, like, another ball handler that can steady the waters. Anytime it wasn't in Dotson's hands in this game, the offense looked extremely shaky. Well, they lost They lost that recruit. Where did he, where did he go, Peyton? Uh, he just left the team. He didn't go anywhere. He just, he just removed himself from the situation. So that's that's going to be a, a thing going down the road. I think Achayabaji can really be that next guy. He, he went 6 for 10 in the game. He had 15 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists. Really played well. Uh, Marcus Garrett can do it a little bit, but if Dotson's not on the floor some way or the other, it's going to be a it's going to be a hard way to get into their sets. They can they can get down half court and let whoever start to set, but as far as breaking, trying to help lead to break uh, break the press, it's got to be a Dotson right now because there's just like you said, there's not that many options at the point guard position. Yeah, and we uh, conspicuous by his absence, we were all expected the sharpshooter transfer from Iowa. Um, Isaiah Moss to play, and he was nowhere to be found in this game. Did you ever find out what the deal was on that? Still lingering hamstring. Came oh, back man. against uh, UNC Greensboro and got some minutes. He, he was still lingering on the hamstring. I think it was just a precautionary situation, but he is back and he is ready to play. With all that being said, we talked about turnovers and this and that, whatever. Um, I think for Kansas, two positives you take out of this from this Duke game is one, you still only lose by two points. You turned the ball over 28 times. You didn't really shoot the best, etc. You only lose by two to a, a pretty good Duke team. And you did it without Isaiah Moss. Yeah. Um, I think those are two things you can kind of keep your head high on. You talked about um, Friday night on their second game back home. They played uh, UNC Greensboro. They looked much better. So we'll see. But Peyton, you got to give a lot of credit to Duke's defense and uh, their, their way of playing. <clears throat> I think we talk about the Duke freshman coming in. You talk about Matthew Hurt, who played well. We'll get into that. Yep. But you talk about their star of that group being um, big man in the middle, Vernon Carey, the Vernon best Carey. NBA prospect. But the best player on the whole floor that night, for the most part, for a lot of the game he was in for both teams, was Cassius Stanley. Yeah, he impressed me. Um, coming into this year, I knew he had a – he's very athletic. Um, he's what sparked that run late in the game. He had two back-to-back dunks. And that's what really brought Duke back into this game because they was down a little bit, and those two. It was going back and forth. It was going back, back and forth, and those two dunks really helped Duke go over into the edge. Um, very, very aggressive player, all threat, especially the second half. Yeah, super athletic, super athletic, super. Athletic. Oh, he broke Zion's record for uh, Duke. The highest vertical. vertical record. Yeah, he broke Zion's record. You know how great Zion is, athletic ability. Uh, but Trey Jones, you mentioned that shooting the ball, he shot 0 for four from the field from three pointers. He only hit five shots, and I think he only hit two jump shots. I remember he hit one to stop the game and one to end the game, and the rest I think was just um, layups. Yeah. So he didn't really shoot the ball well. He had 15 points though. I mean, that's something you can hang your head on. But Duke did not shoot the ball well at all. Matthew Hurt, he hit a couple threes. He had the first five for Duke, and then kind of disappeared. <laughs> and then late in the game, he had a couple. But yeah, he um, hit a shot, airball a shot. Yep, hit a shot, break the backboard. Yeah, like I said, he <laughs> broke the backboard, so he's either hitting or missing terribly. But he didn't do too bad. Trisha Inaluna is like the only freshman for Kansas that really did any. Very impressed with him. He's I the think only one that really got any minutes. Yeah, yeah I think big body wise, um, he he's got the makings of. I, I'd like that pairing down the road eventually once he gets more experience. 
um, you go with him and um, Oche Abaji at some point. I, you talk about athleticism, defensive, um, can really shoot, stretch. I think that's the two you could rely on to partner up with Devon Dotson going forward. Put Garrett at the four, go a four-guard lineup. Yeah. Oh, that's there it. you go. That's it. And that was something else. We, we talked about it. We expected a lot of Kansas to go back to the traditional high-low offense. And early, it didn't happen. They were more trying to attack the rim, settle, spread you out. But when Kansas would make a run – that's where the bread was buttered out. You'd get McCormick up top either on a trail or you'd get a ball reversal, and you'd have one of the other bigs seal down low, and it was a dump down every time. And, and Doak was kicking out for a nice assist as well yeah. off of that. That, I think, is where their bread has got to be buttered all year long. Use the bigs to their advantage. Where, uh, where Duke made their run, Coach K made the adjustment and was double-teaming everything. Everything that entered that block was a double-team. Yeah. Um, I, I, you talked about a guy that Matthew Hurt – Obviously, we knew he was a good offensive player. Defensively, though, he you just look at him. He's slow-footed on defense right now, moving from side to side, closing out. Kansas early on exploited it. Um, you talk about Marcus Garrett. When he was in at one point, they were matched up, and he would just drive right by Matthew Hurt. I think for Hurt and Duke to be as good as they want to be, he's got to improve that. Uh, yes. Figure out a way. If, I mean, you're not going to pick up more athleticism or speed, maybe – but you can defend it better. You're a big kid, step back a half step, you know. Use your length to your advantage. There you go. Play like we always had to. If somebody's quicker than us, give an arm, arm and a half length, but keep them in front. I don't know what that was like. Well, <laughs> I, I did. I had to. I had to play two arm lengths. <laughs> That's why I was always a good positional defender. You guys were more of the um, Ashton Hagen's type. I'm in your cookie jar, boys. Yeah. yeah I, I was positional, talking people through stuff. But, um, Peyton, you had those stats pulled up. Where, uh, uh, team stats. Right here. Yeah, quick one out real quick. Uh, so looking at team stats as a whole, you know, Kansas shot 46% from the field. Duke only shot 35.9. I mean, if you look at these stats as a whole, you would swear Kansas would still win the game. They, they led field goal percentage. They shot 4 of 9 from 3. Duke was 8 of 24. Kansas was a 44.4% clip, which is outstanding. We take that all day. Any team does. Duke, 33%. Um, free throw line, Kansas 16 of 26, Duke 14 of 23. It's so unusual. Um, percentages, Kansas was 61.5%, Duke was 609 It's so unusual for see both teams struggle so bad at the free throw line. When you got a guy like Adoka Azabuke getting fouled as much as he is, that's going to be consistent yeah. all year. Mm-hmm. Um, Duke, not so much. They should be way up. They should be in the 70s. Well, yeah, yeah. High 70s. Yeah, we're so used to a Duke team hitting free throws. Um, unusual. Rebounding margin, Kansas plus 10, 40 to 30 on the board. Kansas wins the assist rate, 13 to 12. They both had 11 steals. Kansas wins the blocks, 5-3. Kansas had three more fouls. They had the largest lead of the game, nine. Duke's largest was five. Every stat we just told you, essentially, Kansas leads in. Except um, for the big one. <laughs> it, it, was, it was the turnovers that ended up killing them in the end. It gave Duke too many extra possessions, and uh, they were able to – to cash in on those. Win How by many two. more field goal attempts did they get total? Uh, let me see. 14. Yeah. 14 more field goal attempts. Yep. So you're, you're leaving at minimum 28 points on the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Kansas goes 23 of 50 from the field. Duke 23 of 64. Jeez. 64. Um, so... All in all, though, you know, turnovers and sloppy play aside, it was a good way to open the college basketball season. Number three versus number four. Both teams are going to be fine. I definitely expect Duke to move, obviously, up in the rankings. They'll probably go number two 
maybe number three should the voters go with another team we'll talk about here later at the number two spot. Either way, good Duke team, though, if they're going to play that connected and good a defense throughout the year, they're going to be way better than all of us thought. And we all thought they would be top five, top ten good. But if they're going to play the old school style of um, – man-to-man defense like Coach K used to have back in the day. Push you up to half court, start your offense. <laughs> yes, th- this is that duped team. Even though the talent's not as great as it was last year, this duped team could win the whole thing. Yeah, uh, they just had to hit shots. They got past it this game because the defense stepped up and forced Kansas to 28 turnovers. But if they're going to want to be great all year round, they have to hit shots. I think you're right there. I think you're right. I think um, they definitely – and they had guys like uh, Alex McConnell, who's a, a knockdown shooter, missed shots, yeah. wide-open shots. Um, so, I, whatever, I think both teams, again, is going to be fine. Um, moving on from this game, though, you um, you talked about Kansas bounces back home, plays a tough UNC Greensboro team, don't win as by as much as everybody thinks, but they still get a double-digit win. Through two games, though, what do you see from Kansas and what do you feel like uh, moving forward – Maybe can work on and how you're like looking at this two games in now. Nah, trying to trying to find their identity of their start their lineups, trying to find out who meshes together. I think it's going to be a dependent on their opponent. You're not going to have the same starting five all year like traditional teams have. It's just not going to play that way. You're going to have a four guard lineup sometimes. You're going to have three bigs in there sometimes, depending on the size or if you're playing against a zone. But but Kansas really showed me that they they can cut back on their turnovers. In this second game, I know it's UNC Greensboro, but they were a tournament team last year. They've always been in the tournament. They've knocked off some big names. I think they've got Duke once, so there you go. But uh, Kansas moving forward, I, I'm not going to go hashtag fire Bill Self after two games and getting beat by Duke by two points after a shitty turnover performance. So, And, and Duke, like you said, Virginia proved it last year. You don't need superstars to win championship. You need a good defense. And they showed it right off the bat. Yeah, I think it's a good way to open the year. Then the night capper of the night, though, was number one Michigan State versus number two Kentucky. Peyton, I'll let you start on this one. I'll get into my thoughts here in a little bit. Um, number one versus number two. I was very excited to watch this game. Well, go ahead and tell them the score and all that. How it Kentucky ended. won 69-62. Kentucky really led the whole game. I think Michigan State started off like maybe 3-2. It was 4-3 Michigan State's. Last lead that they had the whole game. Yeah, uh, so they led the whole – there was the only lead they had the whole game. Kentucky led every minute of the game besides that. Uh, Kentucky really played well. Talking about these stats here, uh, Michigan State shot 39.3% from the field, Kentucky 38. Kentucky, 19 field goal um, made, 50 attempts. My Lord. Uh, Kentucky, 6 for 18 from 3, uh, Michigan State 5 from 26. Michigan State really missed Joshua Langford in this game, I think. Uh, if they had him in the game, that, I was going to pick Michigan State to win. I did not. I picked Kentucky. But they really missed Joshua Langford. He took about 19% from yeah. three, five to 26. State had a lot there in the second half, too, that was wide open from guys who uh, can normally knock them down. They just went in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, Kentucky's largest lead was 13. Michigan State was two at the beginning of the game. Um, Kentucky really played well, but Tyrese Maxey came off the bench. Bang, bang. I did not expect him to come off the bench. I thought he was going to start. I was kind of surprised he didn't. He came off the bench and had 26 damn points. I knew he was going to do that. I knew he was going to play well. I knew Michigan State was not going to be able to stop him, and they did not. He went off. Yeah, he's he's broke the Kentucky scoring, like the debut 
how is it, the the debut Fresh points? Debut. Well, yeah, something like that. The debut game points, whatever. Um, I think Terrence Jones might have had it, or something like Kevin I think Knox. Had it. He had Maybe his butts. Okay, yeah. Um, so he has 26. So he's already set a record for his game out. Yeah, he comes off the bench, selfless right then and there. He's a big five star kid. He allowed Emmanuel quickly and Khalil Whitney and uh, Ashton Hagens to get a start over him. Before I really get more into it, though, Tyler, I'll let you your thoughts on this and uh, both how both teams played. Peyton hit it right on the head. Michigan State missed Langford. Yeah. Cassius Winston was the only player in double figures with 21 points. I think the next guy was like nine or something. It is yeah. nine, eight, four. You know, yeah. you you gotta have a supporting cast, and when you got a freshman in there that's typically a point guard, when Rocket Watts coming in playing the two two guard, that's a huge adjustment for a kid who's used to bringing the ball down the court. We seen it last year with uh, Grimes in Kansas. You know, he just wasn't used to playing that position. So this this could be a they should this is going to be a, a matchup type thing where they're going to have to figure it out throughout before conference starts with Michigan State. What you said with uh, Maxie was everything that he needed to do. He just came off the bench and lived up seven for 12. He was on fire out there hooting and hollering, having fun, playing with excitement. It was just, it was a, it was nice to see a kid coming off his first collegiate game in Madison Square Garden, setting a record and having a blast. He, he did, he welcomed the, the light. A lot of kids would shy away from it. You've seen it before, and you'll see it again. But this kid came out and did the damn thing and did it well. Seven for 12. Yeah, um, a couple things on Tyrese Maxey. Uh, I seen a comparison, actually, after the game I thought was real good, You comparing what Tyrese Maxey's game is. It's three parts. One, because how he's 6'3", and he's built pretty strong. Yeah. So he has, like, that build and tenacity to defend you. Because I think that's more underrated. He defends really well. Mm-hmm. So they said Eric Bledsoe in his stature as far as strength and the way his doggedness on defense. Jamal Murray in his shooting, the way he can absolutely get hot and knock shots down. And then they said he has not quite the speed of Darren Fox, but he has Fox-S speed. You talk, you've seen it a lot on that Michigan State game. His change of pace is as good as anybody I've seen at that age. Meaning... He can be slowly dribbling the ball off the floor, and as soon as you come up for a second, he's blowing right by you going to the rim. How many times there when he was on that street did he get to the rim because he just went by somebody on an isolation? Yeah, uh, he's definitely quick. And then something that's else, we talked about underrated defensive that we've seen from him. They're late in the game. He got every big defensive rebound there at the end. Yeah, he got yeah. like the last three big rebounds in a row because he was getting down there and rebounding. Tremendous debut for Tyrese Maxey. You got to talk about Ashton Hagens. He started the game off like the first five or six points for Kentucky. Obviously, we talked about Trey Jones not being able to shoot the ball. Ashton Higgins looks like he's shown the ability to hit some shots now. He's not ever going to be a great shooter, but he hits some. Uh, he had that nice little step back early in the game to oh, start yeah, the game off with. Um, right there, I think it was over Cassius. As it well. was. It was. Not only that, but did you see what he did? Cassius scored, he scored 21, but I think maybe four of them came on Ashton Higgins. Yeah, four of them definitely came on Ashton Higgins, yeah. If I was a guy, if I was somebody that's handling the ball and Ashton was guarding me, I'd just give it up. Defer, yeah. I, would you see that one dude, I can't think of his name, from Michigan State there in the corner in the second half, had got the ball and tried to dribble and Higgins switched out on him and picked him. Yeah. The kid dribbled it right off his feet or whatever. I'm like, 
you gotta pick the ball up and get rid of it. You want to talk about guards? Freshman Rocket Watts did not play well at all. He got the start because Josh Wink was out. He started a shooting guard. 0 for 4 from the field. 0 from 2 for 3 pointer. 0 for 0 from the free throw. He had he had two assists. That's the only stat line he had. He had three turnovers. He did not play well at all. Yeah, uh, not a good. Not a good debut for him. No. How about um, is Aaron Henry, <clears throat> Aaron Henry is a monster for Michigan State in like physical stature. Yeah, physical stature. How about Nate Sestina though? His first game, real game plan for Kentucky. He didn't score a lot. Hit that big three that put John Wall out of the seat excited, <laughs> but played well. The only cat that really that game that didn't really play well would be, well, EJ Montgomery didn't play as well as we hoped he would. Khalil Whitney didn't play as well. Just kind of nerves, I think. Keon Brooks hustled. He didn't score, but he, he didn't really play that well. But, man, Nate Sestina, uh, Manu quickly still hitting shots. Yeah. Ashton Hagen, Tyrese Maxey. That was a good win. I think the one thing, I and mean, you guys can tell me what you think, that stood out, and Cal even mentioned it in his post game when he's talking about it, he just kind of amazed himself. He said, I've been here 11 years. I've had 11 really good teams. You think of all them teams he's had. John Wall, the national championship team with Anthony Davis, the undefeated team, etc. He said, at this stage, I don't know if I've ever had a team yet that's been this connected and this good defensively. I think Kentucky, we talked Duke's defense. Kentucky's got not only the talent, but they're playing connected on defense. They showed it again Friday when they blew out Eastern Kentucky. If this Cats team, they're not always going to shoot the ball well, but if this Cats team can play defense like this, connected for 40 games, there's no reason they can't cut the nets down. No, they're definitely a Final Four team. They can do that. And you mentioned Nate Sestina. He definitely played well. Seven points, six rebounds. You can show his experience really helped Kentucky coming from Bucknell last year. Averaged about 15 points a game there. You can tell his experience really helped Kentucky, and that's something they really needed. Did you hear, speaking on Nate real quick, did you hear the story about his former team Bucknell had just – they're on the bus. They're coming home from Fairfield. They had just beat Fairfield to start the year off one of themselves. They're on the team bus watching the Kentucky-Michigan State game. They, when Nate hits that three to go on that, like it was like an 11-0 run to space it from Michigan State, they got yeah. John Wall up out of his seat and yep. cheering on it. Mm-hmm. They said the, the Bucknell bus went so crazy over it that they had to literally pull over the side of the highway. <laughs> this was coming, Coach Cal had talked to the Bucknell head coach, and he had told them that story. How crazy is that? And that they're giving, like, love back. They're excited to see one of their own I on love the big it. stage. That's, that's super cool. That's super supportive. It's, you're seeing kids more like that now. They're competitive on the court, but they still show love. Whenever they're not on there with their same teammates before, it's it's a cool thing to see. I didn't know about that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your 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 thoughts. So, um, kind of wrapping this game up, and then the Kentucky defense as a whole. Michigan State missing Langford. It's going to be their woes all year until he gets an opportunity to play. I don't know if he's going to be able to or not. I haven't really dived into it. Kentucky. There was it was the tail of the tapes for both games. Defensive paralysis for two teams and turnovers and stuff like that for the others. And it, it showed that defense wins. Have you guys been listening to me for over a year now? I like defense. <laughs> so Kentucky did everything that I like to see. I mean, they like you said, they played well together. It, was, it wasn't one individual defender each time. It was a five-man unit swinging together. Like on a swing, anytime I instruct jiu-jitsu, I talk about the motion of a swing. You're going back and forth together one, on one chain. And that's what that's what Kentucky did. It was it was one smooth, fluid chain. They didn't have any links in their defense. 
and that's ultimately what helped them get in a position to score what 69 points in their in their season opener. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's pretty good, especially playing against number one Michigan State. Yeah, and they held Michigan State to 62 at that. Um, so the Cats presumably tomorrow when the new AP poll comes out will go to number one. And if you look ahead at their schedule, people I know people are talking about, and you got to take one game at a time, but. Their next, like, real, real big challenge, if you want to consider that, it's not until December when they play Ohio State. They get by Ohio State. I mean, they got to play Utah. But if they get by that, there's a chance that Kentucky be number one when they play Louisville at the end of December. Didn't Utah put up 149 points? They almost beat a team by 100 100. points. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Was it 143 to 49? Something like that, yeah. 90-something. Oh, boy. Yeah. Stop that. Stop that train right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. It won't be as easy as what you think, Cat fans. I mean, they're going to win, but it ain't going to be, you know, cakewalk. Oh, no, no, for sure. I'm just – it wasn't even Kentucky fans that said that. It was, uh, like, some of the people on Twitter. It's, like, uh, it's supposed to be national media. They're, like, theoretically that uh, they'd be undefeated going into the Louisville game. But Kentucky, big win over Michigan State, one versus two. Moving on, we had a couple ACC openers this week, which is very unusual for any conference, but especially the ACC. Rapid fire real quick, talk about, we talked about previewing at number five, Louisville going down to Miami. We all thought Miami would give them a test. Tyler had Miami upsetting them. We thought Chris Sykes would show out. It didn't take Louisville long to establish dominance in this one. We started the game off kind of how I expected we would. We started off very slow, and then Miami Man came on. He started, by the way. No freshman started for us. Um, Enoch was back, so that helped. But Miami Man came on and hit two back-to-back threes. That's what really made us pull away in the first half. First half, we played as good as anyone can be expected. I didn't really expect that, to be honest. And then the second half, it's more of the same. Jordan Nolan had a good game. He had a double-double, 22 points with 12 boards. Um, Steven Enoch had a double-double as well. You can tell his inside presence really helped us. Uh, McMahon and Sutton both had 16 points apiece. And Samuel Williamson came off the bench with 13. He's going to be a great player. You're talking about freshmen who played well in the first week. You have to mention him in that category. Uh, Cardinals shot about 48% from three, hitting nine of their 19 attempts. Um, won the rebounding, rebounding battle with 40 boards compared to Miami's 35. Uh, we played better than I thought I expected. I expected a close battle, but it was completely wrong. The biggest t- takeaway of this game is Lowell is legit this season. You talked about Kentucky being undefeated and being number one heading into this Lowell game. Lowell can be number two and can be number one versus number two in that game. And, wow, that could be incredible. But look, at keeping a focus on this Louisville-Miami <clears throat> game, we thought just by experience, uh, being on the road, Louisville didn't really look the best in the exhibition game. They lose the secret scrimmage to Ohio State. Um, and they're down – uh, Malik Williams. So we all thought that Miami, if they don't win, that they'll give them a better game. I didn't really expect Louisville to come out and just blitz Krieg and beat them by almost 30 or whatever it was. What was the final? Uh, was they beat them by 13? Yeah. Oh, 80, 13. 87 to 74. They, they were up like 25 at one point, though. I think, the, I think Miami made a run there late because by then we'd already started watching the Kansas game. Yep. But 13 points, I think it's one of those deals that it was – Closer score wise than the actual game was. But Tyler, thoughts on Louisville? The real deal. Yeah. They are the real deal. I only picked Miami in my bank on it for two reasons one, to piss Peyton off, <laughs> and two, to let him get a 1 0 start on me. One, or he'll be 1 0 on his bank, or bank on, so I'll be 0 1. But offensively, <clears throat> Miami shot well 43% from the field, uh, from two point, and 41.7 from outside the arc. There just comes a time. 
and every season where a team just outplays you offensively, and unfortunately, it was the very first damn game of the season. The Louisville Cardinals came in there. What I say with uh, Nora needed to do do everything he needed to do. What twenty three points off eight of sixteen from the field. They he did everything we expected him to do. Help lead this uh, Louisville team into a very impressive uh, victory. And I agree with Peyton. This could be a one versus two clash. Come what is it December when they yeah, play? December twenty eighth. Where's yeah. it at? That rep. It's that rep because they played it <clears throat> young last year. Yep. Yep. Right now, I could not pick a bona fide winner between those two after watching their first game performance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very impressed with Louisville. There's not much else more to say. And they're going to be even better here in probably a month or so when they get Malik Williams back in the fold. And David Johnson. And David Johnson, Damn. that's right. Um, Samuel Williamson, though, I think he's going to be the key for him moving forward. And we know mm-hmm. Laura is going to be good. Williamson, the freshman, has got all the talent in the world. We'll see how well he plays. Ryan McMahon hitting shots, playing well. Did not expect that, but that's kind of what he does as far as hitting shots. Wayne Sutton all around was a great player for us defensively and offensively. Yeah, defensively, again, is what's going to carry this Louisville team. So we'll see. They are actually in action here in just a little bit. Um, we're recording right now. Obviously, we record on Sundays, but we're recording at 1. Uh, Louisville will be in action about an hour from now. Yeah. So we'll see how they do on their first home opener against Youngtown State. Yep. See how they uh, kind of, you know, not rest their bounce back, but they carry over yeah. in the game number two first home opener. Couple other games to go through that have played throughout this week. You talk about um, where, where do you guys want to start at? You want to talk about? I mean, Indiana had a good win. Yeah, they had a good pair of wins. They're starting the season off two and zero. They get Jerome Hunter back. Jerome finally uh, getting some playing time, scoring. But how about in the opener? Um, uh, Justin Smith, twenty four points. He he's listed as like a garbage player. Twenty four points for him in the opener. Um, Al Confidence playing, boost right there. Al Durham playing well again. How about Trey? Trace only had, I think, like eight points in the debut. But yesterday afternoon, they beat Portland State. He went for his first career double-double. This Indiana team, again, their schedule in November is pretty garbage. But it's a chance to rack up a lot of wins, get people playing. Get they're with, strong. They're without Devontae Green. But freshman Armani Franklin's playing, or Armand Franklin's playing well. Um, sophomore Rob Fantasy, you know, we've talked about the others. The Indiana team, it's, I just, all I'm saying is keep an eye on them. I think they could be better than what maybe we thought initially. Um, so, but yeah, they start the year off 2 0. Good wins for them. We go to Friday. It was one of the bigger games we talked about. The Armed Forces, Armed Forces Classic in Anchorage, Alaska. Number 16 Baylor versus unranked. Washington Huskies. Washington pulls up quote-unquote the upset. Knocks off Baylor 67-64. Peyton, we got on this. Me and you, we called the, you picked Washington win as well. Yeah, I did. So me I and did. you called this game. We both picked Washington. I knew it was going to be a tough game. Quade Green getting them, uh, getting him for the full season really helped. He only had two points, but he dropped nine dimes. Yep. Uh, Isaiah Schur had a great debut. 15 points, seven boards. Uh, and Isaiah Carter had 23 points for them. Jaden McDaniels really played well. He had 18 points. Um, he turned the ball over four times. He had seven rebounds as well. So the freshman really played well. Carter Green was dropping dimes. Isaiah Carter went off with 23 points. And Baylor, I mean, Baylor would be fine in the Big 12. Just starting off, not really. It was a good loss. Well, not a good loss, but Washington's going to be a good team. They're going to be forcing the Pac-12. I thought they should be ranked, especially now with getting Carter Green for the full season. But, hey, I called this upset. If you want to call it an upset, um, Washington's a good team. 
They proved to the AP poll they deserve to be in there now. Yeah. yeah. What we talked about, too, the reason I picked Washington over Baylor is I just didn't know how well Baylor would shoot the basketball against that 2-3 zone. Um, and that zone is an aggressive Syracuse-S-type 2-3 zone because Coach Mike Hopkins coached, uh, coached there forever. But Washington's got playmakers. They, they've got a big man in the middle. They've got a superstar on the wing. They've got a pair of guards now because we knew Quade, but uh, Carter. Quade stepped up. It's just that Washington team, they're going to be a handful for everybody. Uh-huh. I think staying out of foul trouble, hitting shots, all that, because um, their bench, we don't. They played nine guys, but we don't know how deep they can be, truly. But it's a good win for Washington. Tyler, what you got on that? For Washington and Baylor, man, my boy Clark, he just he just wasn't doing it. Coming off an injury, sometimes you get this electrifying performance, and this was everything but. He had seven points, three of fourteen from the field. He just he just didn't didn't do what I was expecting of him to do. I was kind of riding high on him, but throughout the season, especially come Big 12 time, he is going to be okay. Isaiah Stewart, like Peyton mentioned, had a very good debut. Was it, What's his name? McDaniels. Josh McDaniels? Jaden, yeah. Jaden McDaniels. McDaniels came out and was... Well, he wasn't leading score either. He had 18 points. No, Man, no, Washington can score. Yeah. Washington can score. Yeah, mm-hmm. they can get after it. Uh, team stats, trying to pull that up real quick. I got you. Okay. Free throw, uh, Washington shot 70%. Baylor went uh, 83.3 from the free throw line. What was it? Field goal percentage, Washington won that, 45 to 35. Three-point percentage, Washington won that as well, 46% to 38%. Uh, Rebounds, they got out-rebounded, Washington did, which is a surprise coming out of a team that plays in the zone. Only by two, but it still still counts. They got – Baylor won the assist battle, 19 to 16 which is rare to see in a loss. Steals 7-6, to six, Washington blocks 10. 10 blocks from Washington, which is alluding to the paralysis of Isaiah Stewart down there in the bottom of that zone. Yep. Turnovers, Washington had 20 damn turnovers. Yeah. But Baylor came back and uh, had 17 <clears> themselves, <throat> so that's only a, a three margin, so it pretty much negates itself. Other than that, the largest lead for Washington was three. And that was Which was, end. yeah, the man. And Baylor, Baylor had a 13-point lead. 13. Yeah, I say that, yeah. uh, so Baylor actually did more um, more than what you thought could win. I just think that just shows the, the toughness of a Washington team. I think all year long they're going to be handful inside the Pac-12. That zone's going to cause fits for a lot of teams. Uh, it's unusual for me to see Baylor shoot 21 three-point attempts this year. I thought they'd get more back to attack the rim, but I get it in the zone. You got to shoot what's open. Normally a lot of times those uh, three-point shots are the, what's there. Yep. Other games to kind of rapid fire over. Texas yesterday goes into Mackey Arena, knocks off the Purdue Boilermakers. Hashtag fire painter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that's a good win for Texas. Yeah, it is. Shock is smart. That's his first win against a ranked opponent on the road, I think they said, since he's been at Texas. And that seat is hot for Smart. Yeah. It is hot. Very good start, though, for Texas. Purdue, got to shore some stuff up, though. Yeah, um, I was not surprised about that. The Big Ten really did not start the year off well, especially the first week of the season. Purdue, Nebraska, a lot of these teams lost. Cincinnati pushed Ohio State there for 30 minutes. Illinois struggled, and obviously Michigan State lost to Kentucky. But, yeah, 70-66, to Texas won. Uh, Coleman, the third, he had 22 points for them. Liddell had 14 points for Texas, eight rebounds, four assists, great stat line. 
Um, Courtney Laney, he was my most underrated player for the Big 12. He only had one point. He didn't really do much. He didn't. His only point came from the free throw line. But he had help from everyone else, so he it didn't really matter. Uh, for Purdue, was it at? Uh, Proctor, um, like, guy transfer from uh, the high point that he came from. High point. He yeah. had twelve points, five from eleven from. He the led them in scoring in game one too. I think he had 24, 23 in their opener. Yeah. Uh, did Newman not even play? No, he actually got redshirted this year. Oh, they decided. Really? Yeah, they went because they've got too many guards. I was surprised because I had Brandon Newman. I love that kid, but Purdue redshirted him this week. Wow. Maybe he could pull an Obagi and come out in February and light it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to be a big time piece for them. Yeah, but how about Stefan uh, Stefanovic for Purdue coming off the bench with fourteen? They just didn't get enough. It's not enough. Purdue has got to defend you hard, rebound hard. And then last year when they were good with Carson Edwards, they ran more than normal. They have to do that. But credit to Texas. That's a tough place to go play at in Mackey Arena. They get a win. Maybe people are sleeping on the Longhorns a little bit. Maybe. Hey, man, Texas. Uh, they have they have some good pieces coming back. That Coleman, the, Coleman the third, I think yeah. what it is, yeah. that boy can play. Mm-hmm. That boy can play offensively and defensively, and he did it in this game. What do you have, like 18 points or something? 22. 22, close oh. enough. Hey, whatever. Well, yeah. Coleman, Coleman is a very big piece for Texas, and when he is clicking, Texas is clicking. This is another game. We've talked stats-wise. You talked the Kansas game. You talked Baylor over Washington, all these other teams. You look at the team stats, and you would swear that the wrong team won the game. Purdue wins everything in the category. They they. Sh- well, Texas shot 53% from the field, but everything else, Purdue 50% from three. Purdue um, outreaded about them by 12 rebounds. You know. The beat goes on. They had That's two just... fewer turnovers, but what, here's what Texas killed them at. Texas, nine shot 53% from the field, shot 81% from free throw. Yeah. They uh, had six more assists than them, four more blocks. So you can see right there, Texas uh, getting it done. That's impressive. It's foul line too, thirteen of sixteen. Oh, that's really impressive. Yeah. Impressive. But <clears throat> Texas with a big win, good win for Shaka Smart. Much, much needed. Purdue, if you're a Purdue fan, not a good way to lose, or not a good. You don't want to lose at home, is what I'm trying to say. But I think you're going to be fine. You got plenty of other games coming down the pipe that you got to pay attention to. Other games that happened out this week, guys, want to touch on? North Carolina goes two and zero to start the year off with. Cole Anthony lighting the nation up already. Yep, he had 34 points and 11 boards. I said he was going to get a double-double, and he got a double-double. So his debut off North Carolina. Memphis 2-0, start the year off with. We'll talk about that Wiseman situation later on, but Memphis 2-0, start the year off. That trash court. I got one for you. You guys keep forgetting about this guy. The highest-profiled grad transfer of the summer. Mm. Terry Blackshear Jr., the tiptoe wonder. My my New Year uh, Mike Dom is uh, Kelly Blackshear. I love this kid. Came in in his, his uh, inaugural game with Florida, and he had 20 points and 10 rebounds off the rip. This kid is everything that they needed, and he is a wonderful player. We talked about him a lot at the beginning of the season, or at the beginning of the summer. A lot of stuff has happened, but I sure as hell didn't forget about this kid. Just or, uh, Justin Mills, if you're listening, you got one a hell of a player down there for your Florida Gators. Yeah, and I was watching Florida while I – you know how I do it when we have multiple games on like that. We're watching Kansas, Peyton's watching Louisville, and then on the laptop I've also got the Florida game on, um, their first game against North Florida. And they start off bad. North Florida was up on them. And then Florida went on like a 14-0 run, clinched it. The Gators are going to be good. Speaking of the Gators right now, um, 
them and Florida State's doing battle right now in Gainesville. Currently, 10 minutes, 58 seconds left to go in the first half. Florida's up 11 to 10 on Florida State. Florida State's 0 and 1 and or 0 and 1 already. Yeah, they are. Oh my God, that's right, they are. Who did they lose to in the conference game? Um, Who beat them? I can't think of the top of my head. Uh, it wasn't the very, it wasn't a very good team. I'll, I'll do a check on that here in a minute. But other games that happened throughout the week, guys, want to talk about? Do you want to talk about defensive battles and some of the best defensive teams? You mentioned Kentucky, Louisville, Duke. I don't think it gets any better than Virginia. Hell Virginia, no. the reigning defending national champions, wins at Syracuse, forty-eight to thirty-four. Yeah, I watched this game on Wednesday night, and it was an ugly one. How about this? K.A. Clark started the game. He played the whole game, 40 minutes, 10 points, 11 boards for a guard. And he's a small guard at that. Small guard. He's flirted with a triple-double, seven assists. You tell me rebounding is not all about heart. It's not about size or anything like that. It's all heart to me. He had 11 rebounds for a small guard like that, 10 points as well. Diakite, he had 12 points, six boards, um, just... Braxton uh, Keith, 7 points. Huff came off the bench, had 11 points, 12 rebounds. So that's another They They level. went to the Carrier Dome, Tyler, and held the Syracuse Orange to 34 points in the opener. Yeah, about like what? That was uh, the low last year for the season for, uh, what was it, Virginia Tech? Yeah. Scored 34 points that we went nuts about. Oh, no, it was uh, 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 North NC Carolina State, State had 25. 25, yeah. Oh, it was either way. But they played in <clears throat> Virginia Tech. Virginia Trash. Tech, that was that game. Though. Yeah. Trash. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, Syracuse scored 34 points. They scored the same amount of points as Cole Anthony did in his debut. Speaking of Cole Anthony, real quick, we talked about North Carolina went 2-0. Oh, yeah. Cole Anthony did what I expected him to do. Came out, had a double-double. 34 points, 11 rebounds. I picked Notre Dame to win this game. I thought it was going to be a tough game, which it was. I watched the first half of this game and then fell asleep. But North Carolina, they did well without their two injured players, Anthony Harris. And who's the other one again? Um, I can't think of the top. I can't think of my Brandon top. Robinson. Brandon Robinson. That's who it is. You have those two guys out currently. Um, probably get them back here soon. But Cole Anthony, he shined in his debut. Uh, Thirty-four points, eleven boards. Can't speak anything else highly of this kid. Yeah. So um, update on the Florida State. They actually mm-hmm. lose to Pittsburgh, which yes, Pittsburgh absolutely. turns around and loses at home to Nichols State. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oof, oof. But Florida State, though, I still think they're going to be a good team. Very big, very experienced. Um, they're going to be fine. Currently in that game right now, the battle for the Sunshine State between Florida and Florida State. Florida's still up on them. Quick box score alert, if it'll pull up. Because we're watching it right now, but I'm trying to find the box score. Um, MJ Walker for uh, Florida State's got five. For Florida, Kerry Blackshear's 0 for 2 from the field. He's got five rebounds in 10 minutes already. No points. Andrew Nimharm, three points. Uh, Noah Locke, two. Trey Mann hasn't scored. Scotty Lewis got two off the bench. Omar Payne's got two off the bench. So that's a good battle right now on ESPN. If you get a chance, go check that out if you're currently watching it while we record this. Um, other games, real quick, you guys, anything else you want to talk about that happened throughout the week? Maryland came back after being down 10 early to Rhode Island. The number seven Maryland Terrapins come up, come back and win in decisive fashion 73-55 to 55 over Rhode Island on Saturday. Yeah, talked so. about the Big Ten earlier. Rutgers, Bailey, Pete, Bryant, they won 73-71. My Lord. Not a good start for Big Ten. Oh, I want to give a – it's not on my shout-out, but I want to give some love starting off 2-0. I just seen it and thought about it. We per- predicted Virginia Tech to finish dead last in the ACC. They lose all sorts of experience and talent nonetheless. You talk about Kerry Blackshear, he's gone. You talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he's gone to the NBA. You talk about um, – 
Chris Clark, he's transferred down to Texas A&M. Their head coach, Buzz Williams, gone to Texas A&M. They're, the cupboard was left bare with Virginia Tech. They opened the season up beating a Clemson team we think that's tournament-bound or tournament-quality good. And then they beat somebody else uh, a couple days ago on a bum team. Virginia Tech 2-0, and good for them. Uh-huh. Number 24 ranked Auburn defeated Davidson in a tough game, 76-66. I actually thought Davidson would actually upset them. Davidson's one of those teams we did previews at the beginning of the year that uh, – that keep an eye out on the mid-major. Auburn, Auburn. Um, you, you watch him, Anthony, Mac- or Anthony Macklemore can still score. You talk about Isaac Okoro, who can still get after it. Um, oh, my God, Daniel Purifoy. Yeah. Uh, this Auburn team is going to be good, man. They're going to be right towards the top of the SEC again this year. Uh, number 25 ranked VCU struggled. They won three points. They won 59 to 56. Struggle win. Uh, but two and zero is two and zero. Oh, for That's sure. Yeah, and for the sure. first game, uh, Marcus Santos Silva went for 21 points and 18 rebounds. They got a bona fide player at VCU. Hell yeah! And they've got a challenge here coming up this week. We'll find out how good they really are, and um, we'll preview it here in just a few minutes. But. Yeah, VCU is going to do VCU things. How about Gonzaga without, um, oh gosh, Killian Tilly? Killian, no, Killian's playing it. Oh, well, I didn't know he was Who, who is that that they're out? But I can't they, they put up 95, and then they put up like 100 points. 110 to 60 over Ar- yeah. Arkansas Pine Bluff. Corey Kispert putting up big numbers, 25 in the opener. Um, St. Mary's over Wisconsin. That was my bank one. I was wrong. Wisconsin battled them as hard as they could. Battled back and forth, back and forth. Went to overtime. Went to overtime. Wisconsin had a chance to win it there at the end. And uh, didn't even get a shot off, if I remember right. But St. Mary's, a good win on that. Jordan Ford leads them with 26. 26. So, um, I can't find it here, but I know Alabama lost the opener. They lost at one point. I don't forget. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who they got beat by. But they did loss. Uh, I think Kira Lewis Jr. had like 30 points. Yeah, let's go ahead and do a quick. We've got some of the top quote-unquote stars in their opening, the, the openers for this year, putting up big numbers. Marcus Howard from Marquette in a win, 38 points. Miles Powell in a win, 27 points. No surprise. James Wiseman <laughs> in a win in his debut game in college goes for 28 points, 11 rebounds. And they, I think he said they had like nine dunks. <laughs> uh, Anthony Edwards from Georgia in a win, 24 points, nine rebounds. Peyton Pritchard from Oregon in a win, 24 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Wasn't that your Pac-12 player of the year? It was, what I'm saying. Kyra Lewis in a loss, but he goes for 38-5. and five. Go read my article on him back in the summer. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, 28 points. Davion Harmon, my Big 12 freshman of the year, preseason, 23 points in his debut. Kid can, the kid can just go score. Yeah. Uh, he's built and wired to score the basketball. I think he's going to have a big year for the Sooners. Speaking of Sooners, they went up to Minnesota yesterday in the barn and beat Minnesota. Oh, that's 71-62. That's another big team. team Brady Manick had like 17 <clears throat> points, eight boards, like crazy stat line. Yeah, forgot about that one. Tyrese Maxey, we've said at 26. Cole Anthony is opener at 27. Um, anybody else I'm missing out on star-wise? Uh, not the top of my head now. I thought Cole Anthony had 34, he in, his, 34. in his opener. Yeah, 34. My bad. Okay, that, was, that think... was game two, probably. That was most likely game. Okay, two. my bad. He had 34 then. Yeah, yeah. You guys are right. I had the wrong score. Anyways, 34 in the the debut. Here's a couple other quick stats. Coach Cal with that win against Michigan State, sixth win all time versus AP number one, third all time as far as wins go, but he's actually number one in percentage. He's 60, um, what, 60% win percentage against the number one team AP poll. 
which puts him at number one overall. Coaches do that incredible rate. Um, here's a couple other stats I find interesting. Through the first week of college basketball, Jordan Rowland from Northeastern, they are 2-0 and in the year, just beat a Harvard team. Me and Tyler were talking about off-air. Harvard's a team that could make the tournament, I think is the favorite in the Ivy League. Really good team. They beat them. Northeastern's 2-0. and He leads the nation in scoring through two game, or through the first week. 40.5 points a game. 39 in the opener. 42 on Harvard. Keep an eye. That could be this year's... Um, Chris Clemens. Chris Clemens, yeah. thank you. Keep an eye on Jordan Rowland. Apparently this dude can put the ball in the bucket. How about this? Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State leads the nation in assists. 13, point, or 13 assists per game. I love to hate this kid. If he was anywhere else in a different conference, I'd love him. But I hate him because of where he's at. The kid can flat out ball. How about this? Leading the nation in blocks. Theo John from Marquette. Eight blocks per game. Eight blocks per game. That is ungodly. He was our defensive player of the year for Big East. Yeah. Theo John, eight blocks a game to lead the nation through the first week of the season. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So there you have it, kind of the first week wrap-up. Obviously a lot of good games to start the year off with. But we have some games to preview for the Week 2 slate that – a lot, I should say a lot, but we have a couple of ranked versus ranked matchups that are very, very intriguing. But before we get to that, Tyler. What's up? <laughs> I alluded to it in the beginning. Our sponsor and friends from Applied Right Painting and Restoration. Won't you let everybody else know about them? Applied Right Painting and Restoration. He is doing a home in our hometown for a free plug. A uh, guy that just sold my house, Justin Lawler, Family Tree Realty, if you need a home in the central Indiana area get with him and if you don't like the paint job get with larry Rowe jr to come paint it with applied right paint and restoration you want some new countertops in your house applied right paint and restoration you want some new cabinets applied right paint and restoration you want some new floor applied right painting and restoration anything you need he's not just a painter anymore boys he's alluded to this before but he expanded it's time to go he's doing very good jobs and everything everything he does with his uh Posts, everything looks clean, crisp, and brand new. So he's got visuals out there for you to check. He'll give you a quote, give you a worry-free guarantee, J.R.O. If you can't get a hold of him, let us know, and we will get you in contact with him. Everything that we get that we recommend to him through Everything College Basketball, we get a 5% kickback on the, the proceeds. So it's a, it's a very well-rounded uh, deal. He helps us. You help him get some jobs. Everything, Everybody gets a little taste of the action. You get a... A local, well, uh, well-maintained company to come help you out, and you're helping us out as well. So, Larry Rowe Jr. with Applied Right Painting and Restoration. Absolutely. With that, we've got some big games to preview this week. Like I said, some rank versus rank matchup games we'll talk about. On the other side, Peyton, tell them what they're listening to. You are listening to episode 43 of the Everything College Basketball Podcast. What's going on, ECB fans? My name is Peyton Burton, a.k.a. J3X, and I am the host of the J3X Show. The J3X Show is a professional wrestling podcast and also an MMA podcast as well. On the wrestling side, you can find our predictions for every WWE, AEW, and NXT pay-per-view, and also find our pay-per-view review episodes there too. On the MMA side, you can find everything from our predictions for most UFC pay-per-views, personal top five lists, and interviews as well. 
So if you want a fun podcast to listen to, whether you're playing games, you're at work, or whatever you may be doing, then the J3X Show is the place for you. With that being said, let's get back to the Everything College Basketball Podcast. Boom! You're listening to the Everything College Basketball Podcast. Go ECB! Go ECB! So we previewed last week's slate of games with the Champions Class and everything, the games we just sat down and reviewed in the last segment. Now it's time to preview the, the slate of games for week two of the college basketball season. Obviously, Florida, Florida State's going on right now. Um, we're keeping an update as it goes on throughout the show. But we have some big time. We have four ranked versus ranked games this week to talk about. I can't believe already in week two we've got a bunch of ranked versus ranked matchups. The first one, this is a mega one. With everything that's going on, regardless, but this is a mega one we had circled on our calendar at the start of the year, way back in the summer once like recruiting and everything played out. That's none other than, at this time, number 15, Oregon, playing number 14, Memphis, in Portland, Oregon. It's in Oregon's backyard, not at their home center, though, but it's in their backyard in Portland, Oregon, on Tuesday night, 9 p.m. on ESPN. Stars are going to be out for this one. Fingers crossed that James Wiseman can play for this one. But regardless, you got 15 Oregon, number 14 Memphis. Fellas, let's talk about it. Um, Yeah, top 15 link matchup, number 15 Oregon, versus number 14 uh, Memphis. This would be even, even interesting to me if Infale Dante would get to play in this game. Yeah. Because Infale Dante versus James Wiseman, if he gets to play in this game, we don't know yet. I know he played in the last game they uh, played in, but I don't know if he's going to get to play in this one or not. I hope he does because Memphis is going to need him. But Memphis, all the recruits they've had, Boogie Ellis really played well in the um, opening game. And Peyton Butcher, he really played well for Oregon. Uh, he was my biggies, or not biggies, he was my Pac-12 player of the year. He's a great facilitator. He's a great guard coming back for um, Oregon. And good floor general. We talked about it. Right behind Cassius Winston, probably the number two floor general and leader on the in the college basketball landscape. Yeah, the dude had 24 points and like seven boards for or four assist, or seven assists for Oregon in the opening game. This is going to be tough. It's not going to be easy for either team. I'm very excited to watch this game now. Like I said, it all starts and begins and ends with Peyton Pritchard in my eyes for Oregon. 21.5 points per game average already. Shoots 60% from the field. Dropping seven assists like Peyton alluded to. This is the guy that, that runs the show for Oregon. You know, based on these predictors that we've been seeing on all these other stats, it, the highest that I've seen is Oregon up to 85% uh, winning margin for, uh, for the game. I think that's a bit high. Yeah. That is a bit high. If James Wiseman's able to play due to all his bull crap going on, that goes down to 51-49. I can't pick who. Oh, I can't either. Because it, this cat is electric. And if you, you just need this guy on the floor, and if not, you take him off the floor, I can see the 85%. Maybe that's what they're alluding to, but if he gets the opportunity to play, this will be a sleeper early season banger. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, I, that is a little high, I think, right now. The ESPN predictor, you know, they got Oregon, what eighty five percent? Yeah, super high. 
Memphis struggled early against South Carolina State, but ended up winning 97-64. They play UIC the other night, 92-46, and a complete blowout of the Flames. This, they haven't been tested, but on the flip side, neither is Oregon. So what do we have here? We have two extremely talented teams with a lot of good players. Memphis is going to be led by freshmen. Oregon, on the flip side, is going to be led by experienced upperclassmen. So, so who wins that battle? That's always kind of the yin and the yang we've talked about for the last, what, 15 years in college basketball. Um, but with that being said, with or without him, I like this Memphis team. Now, with him, it makes Memphis at a whole nother level with James Wiseman. But you go back so far through two games, Wiseman led him in the first game, but in the second game, he didn't have to. Boogie Ellis put up 22 against UIC, 6 of 6 from the three-point line at one point. Memphis has got players. Memphis can absolutely get after you. Go look at some of the other players they've been playing, too. Precious Achua. Yeah. He could fill on that, vo- or that void. Lester Cronones. He's not shooting the ball well through his first two games in his college career, but he's got the potential to shoot well. He came into college as a shooter. Damian Ball didn't score a point against UIC after scoring, what, like 15 against um, South Carolina State. Yeah. He's a guy that's back that can make plays. DJ Jeffries, 14 points as a freshman off the bench against UIC. Uh, Lance, or is it Lance Thomas or Lamar? Is it Lance? No. That's Lance, I think. I'll look it I'm up. I can't remember. Sure. Lance Thomas it is, yeah. didn't score a point against UIC, but it's a guy that's playing. Alex Lomax played 24 minutes. Only had nine points, but still nine points. Tyler Harris, 11 points. Penny's son, Jaden Hardaway, only eight minutes, two points against UIC, but he had, I think, like 12 or something. Well, we got to run in. Hold on. Run in. Sorry about that. Random uh, random video. No, yeah, are not a paid sponsor. We can't add you. Yeah, yeah random sure. video. My bad about that. Jaden Hardaway, I'm looking. Um, nine points in his debut in South Carolina State. In the summer, Penny's son, Jaden, if you go back to those exhibition games, he's putting up 20-25. What I'm getting at is I think even without James Wiseman, Memphis is deeper. They'll look to push the ball more in the open floor. They'll get out and run. They have more talent, even though it may be raw. We'll put it this way. If James gets the play, I like Memphis by seven. If he doesn't get a play, I like Memphis by one. Either way, I like the Tigers in this one. Not having to finally Dante for this game really hurts Oregon's chances for me. Even though it's basically in their back, um, their backyard playing the point in Oregon, not having him because that's only besides Peyton Pritchard. Who else do they, go, do, do they have? I mean, CJ Wilcher, he's a five-star, but is he going to really help? Um, help them get over the hump over Memphis? I don't think so. I'm about the same with you. If James Wiseman plays, I like Memphis winning at least by 12 points. And if he doesn't, I like Memphis with five points. Um, I'm just, I, I, I love watching Peyton Pritchard play, but he really has no help, especially with a following Dante Knight playing in this game. How about this? Through two games, Memphis will shoot 42.6% from three. My 70% from free throws, 56, almost 57% from the field. 13 and a half turnovers, averaging nine blocks a game, six and a half steals, 21 and a half assists, 42.5 rebounds, 94.4 or 94.5 points a game. Again, I know competition's not that great, but those are some incredible numbers through two games. For sure, definitely is. Well, it's time to see if those numbers match up against a talented Oregon team. I believe I'm going to mix it up here. I know you guys are Memphis, regardless of who plays. I am going to go Oregon. 
regardless of who plays. I like these guys. They are in the they're in their backyard, as everybody said. There is nothing off court issues with Oregon. There is questions galore with the lineups that Memphis has. There's you know there's mental issues that could be going on, mental games going on with Memphis going here. I like Oregon to come out victor. I don't know points wise. It's not going to be over ten regardless of who's playing. I like the Oregon Ducks to take care of business in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and I think something else, too. Young kids, let's see how they go in a road environment we talked about. It's not technically in uh, Oregon's you know, home home court, but it's in their backyard of Portland. Lots of Duck fans are presumably going to be at that game. Let's see how the young kids react playing a, a top 15 team on the road. Uh, and, and Peyton Pritchard. Let's see uh, if Boogie Ellis can defend him and all the, the freshman guard can get after him, slow him down. Uh, I, my question with Oregon right now is who steps up and plays second fiddle to Peyton Pritchard? Yeah. Who, who can do that? Um, I so have no clue. That's we'll, the find, I have. we'll find out. It's a good matchup <laughs> on Tuesday night at 9 p.m. The second of four ranked matchups we were talking about, none other. Number 22, LSU Tigers on the road, Richmond, Virginia, playing the number 25 VCU Rams on Wednesday night. Fellas, how are we feeling about this one? Cook, you can go first. I'm just going to go right off the bat and tell you VCU is going to win this game. I like what these guys do, and they've been a small market team for a long time that goes in and plays extremely well against any talent they got. They got a guy in... Durante Jenkins, who's leading the uh, leading the pack for points per game with 14 rebounds. They got a guy, Marcus Santos Silva. Remember I talked about him earlier. He had 21 points. He's averaging 12 and a half rebounds as well. That's a ball player. And their assists, they got Marcus Santos Silva again leading the pack. I just I just like the way these guys played over the first two games. I know it's been close, quote unquote. But when you get battle tested early, you know what it's like. To come in there and bang, I don't think LSU, after everything they've lost, is a complete package yet. It's going to take them time. VCU is more complete after the first week than I think LSU is, so I'm going to go ahead and go out there and throw it out to the Rams, take care of business against LSU. You, you Great points. Um, and I think, too, it goes to show the respect over the last decade that VCU has gotten that to get a team like LSU actually coming to VCU is something special. I, I like all the points. It's a good venue. So, yeah. It's, uh, VCU, you know they're going to play you hard defensively. They are going to grind you out if they have to. They'll look to push. Um, I, I really like this VCU team. With that said, I think you look at LSU again, competition's not the greatest. Start the year off for a lot of these teams. They do have five guys averaging double figures. Four of the guys coming back with a lot of experience led by Javante Smart, and Emmett Williams, Skylar Mays. Five-star freshman Trenton Wofford, 10 points a game. But the thing that LSU, since Will Wade's been there, and the reason that helped lead them to um, to the conference championship last year in the SEC is they rebound the ball extremely well. They throw their body at the glass. Through the first game already, 46 rebounds. Javante Smart, 8. Emmett Williams, 7. Skylar Mays, 8. Darius Days, seven. Trenton Wofford, four. But you look at Javante Smart, Skyler Mays, their backcourt. Guards normally don't rebound the ball well or traditionally. They both had eight rebounds apiece. I think this is the big deciding factor in most of the games LSU is going to play moving forward. I think this is the deciding factor, their size and the way they rebound against VCU. 
give them second, third opportunities. I like LSU on the road by a couple points. The thing that gets me here is I want to pick VCU to win this game. I'm not going to. I'm picking LSU to win. And the reason is, I just like the experience of LSU. You mentioned the guys coming back. Emmett Williams, he had 21 points, 7 boards against Bowling Green. Uh, Skyler Mays, 18 points, 8 boards. And Devontae Small had 21 points, 5 assists, 8 boards. I just like the experience of those three coming back. And I'm a big fan of freshman Trenton Wofford, who had 10 points and 7 rebounds. I just think those four guys I just mentioned is going to be too much for VCU. I like LSU winning this game. Wofford's a freshman? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. crap. Yeah. Um, Must have been a familiar name last year. I don't know. Yeah. No. Um, I, that's going to be a good one, though. That's going to be – we talked about Memphis, Oregon. I think this is more of a toss-up than that. It is. I think it go either way. For name value, it's not going to be as a premier looked at. But if you're listening and you got some free time Wednesday, tune in. It's going to be two teams that just play really, really hard against each other. Mm-hmm. Also on Wednesday night, number 10, Villanova at – Number 18, Ohio State. This is part of the Gavit games, where it's the Big East versus the Big Ten and the tip-off challenges. How about this on Wednesday night? You got the Villanova Wildcats in Columbus, Ohio, to play the, the Buckeyes. Peyton, how you feeling about this one? This game is probably the most exciting game I'm looking forward to all week. And you, I don't know if you mentioned him for the players you talked about who had great games. But Jamari Robinson Earl had 24 points, 13 boards in his season opener against Auburn. Or not Auburn. Army. Uh, Villanova won 97-54. I know it's a bad Army team. Whatever. But he had 24 points, 13 boards. Sadiq Bay had 22 points himself. Colin Gillespie had 11 points. And Cole Sweater or Swider, how do you say his name? Somebody we didn't even mention. He came off the bench at 18 points and 6 boards himself. I really like this Villanova squad. Um, didn't they get Brian Antoine back? Well, they think he's coming back. They think he's going to be back early. Because, remember, we said he could be out for most of the year. Yeah. But if he gets back early, this this is starting to look like a team, even through one game, that's kind of got that Villanova swag back to him a little bit. Um, they shot 40% from three, 81% from free throw. Tyler, we've seen it all too familiar with Villanova teams over the past five years. Their best teams are a little bit smaller, but spread you out and shoot, and this seems to fit the bill right here. And they have a star freshman, too. Yeah, they do. I am a closet Villanova fan. I have been for the past, oh, I'd say seven years. I like their coach. I like what he does. I like how he gets the best out of his players, like Josh said, regardless of size. They come out there and they play extremely well. And on the flip side, on the personal level, I hate Ohio State. They play ugly basketball. They just there's nothing electric about it. I just I'm just not a fan. You can't you can't get me to buy in on Ohio State at any game. Yeah, not even since Greg Oden. Probably the only time I'd ever put money on Ohio State just because I just don't like their style of play. Villanova, like I said, you got some good freshmen coming in. Got some good pieces returning. I think this is going to be an old fashioned ass whooping. Villanova by 12 to 15. Yeah, um, I'm going to go. Did you pick Villanova in this one, Peyton? I haven't picked Okay, well, I'm, I'm with Tyler. I go with Villanova. I think Ohio State's a good team. I think they're going to be towards the top part of the Big Ten all year. We predict that in the preseason. Um, you look at their first game, Kyle Young went for 14-13, and 13, a name that you really didn't expect to do that. You know, Caleb Wesson's their star coming back. He played 35 minutes, 8 points, 11 rebounds. I think he could be the big problem for Villanova. A team that's not real big and like quality depth as far as big, solid, no, just gonna sound weird, but people who play basketball know what I'm talking about. Like big booty, 
guys in the middle, right? Like, Jared Sullinger, Glenn right. Baby Davis, uh, type like that. More like um, uh, uh, Big Ten quality centers that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Big, solid, big-bootied guys. Um, Jermaine Robinson Earl is a forward. He's not going to get down there and bang a lot, even though he did a 24 and 13. So I think Caleb Wesson, Caleb Wesson could have a monster game, 20 and 15 type night. But all said and done, can they defend this spread out, uh, dribble back, kind of switching off stuff, style of play Villanova likes to run and shoot the three? I don't know if they can. Because of that, I'm with Tyler. Villanova by a good amount. I don't think they – maybe they don't blow them out, but it's a good amount, comfortable margin throughout. Give me Villanova. That's tough. I really like this matchup, though. I'm a big fan. Both of these teams have freshmen I'm big fans of. I mentioned Jemiah Robinson Earl. He's my biggies uh, freshman of the year. He's a great player. And for Ohio State, they got a guard, freshman, four-star, DJ Carton, who's a great facilitator who can stroke from three, shooting 50% from three in his opening game. 60% from the field, 66.7% from free throw line. Um, Caleb Weston, he's very capable of averaging a double-double this season, especially in the Big Ten. He can definitely have 25 points and 10 rebounds. I think it's closer than what you guys are thinking. I do think Villanova squeaks by. I'm saying Villanova wins by four points. I think it's closer than what you both were expecting. We'll see. Moving on again, same night on Wednesday night, the Gavit tip-off games, Big East first Big Ten. In Marquette, you've got number 23 Purdue Boilermakers coming off a loss going to Marquette. The ESPN matchup predictor has Marquette 62.8% win in this game, 37.2% for the Boilermakers. We talked about Theo John down low for Marquette, leading the nation in blocks currently right now. Eight points or eight rebounds a game, eight blocks a game. Um, not much of a scoring threat down low that much. Really, it's a one-man team when it comes to scoring Marquette. We know this. Oh. Marcus Howard went for 38 in the opener. He became Marquette's all-time leading scorer. Marquette's all-time leading scorer. Yeah. So we know what that's going to be like. Purdue coming off the Texas loss. What do we get in a bounce back? You know that they can be very good defensively. I think they have big guards who can rotate in on Marcus Howard. The high point transfers leading them in scoring 19 a game, Jihad Proctor. We'll see. And then Purdue's got their own big, who I think will neutralize Theo John being. Um, no, Joe Eastman? No, 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 no. Down the low. Uh, oh, Matt Harms. Oh, Matt Harms. The Peacock. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I could think of his name. <laughs> name Matt Harms, I think, neutralizes Theo John. I like Purdue bouncing back, going into Marquette, getting a win. I think Marcus Howard will get a bunch of points. He's going to go for 30 some. But Purdue, all around game. I mean, think of it like this. You've seen last year in the NCAA tournament with even just a guy like John Morant, because he was much bigger and athletic than Marcus Howard. He had about four or five inches height-wise. Gave Marcus Howard fits. Yep. Purdue's got Nojel <clears throat> Eastern. Uh, Aaron Wheeler can go out. Eric Hunter. A litany of guys can rotate out on Marcus Howard. It's going to make Marcus shoot even deeper sometimes just to get shots off. I still think he scores a bunch. I think the one-man show, because of that, I like Purdue bouncing back. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of scores. 65-58. Um, I said this when we previewed Purdue on one of our season previews we did in the summer. I'm just not high on this Purdue team. They lost big-time scores in Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards. Um, I don't know how they're going to fill those voids. I, especially not having Brandon Newman, who redshirted. I did not know that. 
I would give Purdue a better chance if they had Brandon Newman. But offensively, uh, that's what I'm worried about. I don't see them, besides Proctor, having a good game. Uh, defensively, they're going to be great. No Joe Easton, Wheeler, guys like that, Harms blocking shots. Defensively, they'll be fine. I'm not worried about that. I do not... I don't see Marcus Howard going for 40 or anything like that. I'm expecting around 20 to 25 points. But it's a win-man show from Marquette. Marquette's looking to prove people wrong for not doubting him. I like Marquette winning this game by 10, 10 points. So Marquette by 10? Yeah. I like that. I'm going to agree. Good. Marquette, short and sweet. Marquette, they just got too much firepower on Marcus Howard. I, I'm going to lead this bandwagon. We're going to get this trending on Twitter. Hashtag fire painter. We're getting him out of West Lafayette. Give him a better coach. They need some help. But uh, I just I just don't agree with uh, the way they've been playing consistently. They're just they're up and down. They're good defensively. They they need to prove themselves offensively, and they don't have they haven't found that that identity yet. I know it's super early, but you know you got a guy going for 34. It's it's hard to it's hard to go against a guy who can score like that. So. I believe Marquette, buzzer beater by Howard. Let's go. Wow. Wow. Um, before, before we get to the, the next game to preview, halftime right now in Gainesville, Florida State 25, number six, Florida 21. Florida State, like I said, I do believe their size and defense is going to carry them. I think that Florida State's going to be all right. Yeah, I mean, they got three seven footers. I think they'll be fine size-wise. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are on Thursday night though. You got currently number one. You know they're going to drop though. Michigan State going to the Seton Hall Pirates, number twelve. Seton Hall probably without Miles Powell though changes the way this game is played by a lot. Tyler, your thoughts on Michigan State Seton Hall? One thought: No Marcus Powell. Or no Miles Powell. I'm mixing up the two scores here. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a combo. <laughs> Jeez, on, that's 64 oh. points a game. No, uh, no Miles Powell. No win for Seton Hall. Michigan State handedly wins this game. I'm gonna follow your lead. I think you're right. Miles Powell plays. I was gonna pick this the Seton Hall Pirates. I think honestly they're that good at home. Getting a big game, they'd get up for it. Um, they'd hand Michigan State their second loss in a week to a, a ranked opponent. I think they have enough pieces around them. You talk about a guy like Sandra Mamakalashivi can battle anybody down low, can shoot the three well. But no Miles Powell because that's a straw that stirs that drink. He's a guy who obviously can go get you not only 40, but can go get you 50 in big games like this. He's proven it. It sucks because I love watching this kid play. But if he's out, State probably cruises in this one. I'm with Tyler. Uh, I was super excited when I found out Michigan State and Seton Hall was playing. Um, from the beginning of the season, I was watching. I was so happy to watch this game. But like you guys said, Miles Powell is most likely not going to be playing. If he does, he's not going to be 100%. With that being said, I'm going to save my prediction for later. TBT. Okay. Yeah. Well, oh, okay, that's our first one of the year, so that's going to be in another segment. We have one other one. It's actually tonight. As Today we're obviously recording on Sunday, but tonight at 9 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, which I didn't even realize they had a network. I'm hoping it's on ESPN somehow, like one of the affiliates. But either way, the Illinois Fighting Illini going in to Arizona to play the number 21-ranked Arizona Wildcats. Tyler, I know you're excited like we are. Take this one away. 
Excited, yes. Going to get into it? No. To be determined. Oh, I'm my not. God. There we go. Bang, bang. Oh, oh my God. Back to back. It's like happening. It. It's happening. You want me to go first, Peyton, or you go? This game's going to be interesting because freshman Kofi Cockburn, who's going to be a monster, I'm excited to watch him play. A. Erdon is a great player. Uh, Illinois is going to be a good team. It's going to be a sleeper team in the Big Ten. And Arizona, Nico Manning, Josh Green, Max Hazard, they got a three. Uh, trio who's going to score buckets. I don't know who I'm going to pick. I almost did what Cook did. Uh, with a segment we'll do later, but I did not. I went with something else. This game's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I want to go with Illinois, but I'm a huge fan of Nico Mann and Josh Green. I got Arizona winning three points. Well, I see Illinois and Arizona's names matched up with each other, and I instantly go back to 2005 Elite Eight where that classic game between Arizona and Illinois. Deep brown. Yeah, and uh, Luther Head and company, great game. But Arizona blew out Northern Arizona in their first game. Zeke Naji with 20 points, Stone Gettings 13, Dylan Smith 10, Josh Green 10. The former Kentucky player that became immediately eligible, Jamal Baker with 9, Nico Mannon 9, Chase Jeter 7, Max Hazard, the kid from UC Irvine 7. Lots of... Lots of talent there in Arizona, even with everything scandals going on around them as well. Shot 39% from three, 80% from the free throw line, 54% from the field. Only had seven turnovers, which is remarkable considering uh, all the turnover fest that has been week one in all these games so far. Illinois, A.O. Donsuma, Peyton talked about um, Kofi Cockburn. I want to, like, I'm like Peyton, I want to say Illinois wins this because I do believe in the Illini. Even though they struggled against Nickel State, I do believe in the Illini this year. I think they are going to be very good as the year rolls on. But that's a lot of talent in Arizona. On the road, a true road game, the second game of the year. Give me Arizona in a tight contest throughout. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. I literally almost picked Illinois. I just don't know who's going to stop Kobe Cockburn on Arizona, but I just like that. Trio of Hazard. Um. Well, Cockburn versus Chase Jeter is going to be fun because Chase Jeter obviously started his career at Duke. This is his second year in Arizona now. He's a big kid, but he's not like strong like Kofi Cockburn is. Oh my God, no. But <laughs> we'll see how he handles it. Arizona. Arizona. That'll be a fun one. 9 p.m. tonight on a Sunday night. Unless you're really wanting to watch Sunday night football, pay attention to this. This will be a good one. You got this game, and then right afterwards, you got the season four premiere of Rick and Morty at 11.30, Cartoon Network. Get on there. Well, if we're talking that, also also tonight, the season return of uh, Shameless on Showtime. I am still finishing. I don't have Showtime. I got to wait till next year. So everybody shout out. For Netflix. Yeah, I don't have Showtime (laughs) either, but maybe I'll sign up for a free trial of one of these stuff. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Hey, if anybody else uh, loves Shameless out there, I'll be glad to talk with you about it. It's seriously one of my favorite shows of all time. It's good. I love Shameless. It's good. Love Shameless. But that's neither here nor there. Peyton, the Louisville Cardinals just tipped off right now as we're recording up 7-0 in Youngstown State. Well, 7-2 now. Yeah, we're looking good. Perry's playing well. North had a couple buckets. Hopefully we can pull this one out. Not going to be easy. Beautiful center court. Turn over there and check it out. No, seriously, that they have the best court in America, I think, as yeah. far as the layout. That's that's coming from a Kentucky fan. I Clean, love their Clean, crisp, court. old school. Love the retro look to it. Hopefully I'll be able to see that court live here soon. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. But that's it for the previews. We got some big-time games coming up this week, one tonight. So you guys tune in, check them out. Let's see if our predictions are right. 
We're going to take uh, another break in the action. When we come back, we've, of course, got news and recruiting and all of our, uh, our fun segments. You're listening to episode 43 of ECB. We will return here in just a moment. Do you like t-shirts? Do you like being in control of customizing your own t-shirts? Well, have no fear. Mr. T's is here. I am Tyler Cook, owner and operator of Mr. T's Customizable T-Shirts. I can do anything that you need as far as, you know, wedding parties, birthdays, anything that you want and need, come to me and I can see if I'll help you out. You can reach me on Facebook. Just search Tyler Cook in there. Uh, you can find me. Any, you can get my email. I'll send out an email. I'm going to create a page that I'll later add in here. But uh, anything that you need as far as customizable T-shirts, I can I can hook you up. I can get you done right at a reasonable price. But other than that, go back to hearing our wonderful voices on ECB Podcast. What's happening, College Hoops fans? It is Conrad Cushman from the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here to tell you how you can follow Everything Pro Wrestling. First, go to your Facebook, type in the search bar, Everything Pro Wrestling. Look for our official page with over 1,000 likes and make sure you give it a like. Also, we have a closed group with over 200 members in it where you can join discussions and talk about anything and everything pro wrestling. We also have a Twitter handle, and that is at EPW Show. And we have a podcast, and the podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And remember, everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. Now let's get back to talking some college hoops. Welcome back to episode 43 of Everything College Basketball Podcast. We've been previewing and reviewing and all this fun stuff. Now it's time to get some news and recruiting because, of course, no show is complete without this as we start to wind things down and wrap the show up. Not much in the recruiting – or sorry, in the news category, but a couple really interesting pieces. Number one, we've alluded to it without without really saying what it was, but the NCAA is out to get people again – Basically, number one, presumed number one pick in the NBA draft next year, Memphis freshman James Wiseman has now been ruled temporarily. He'd been ruled uneligible due to um, benefits because they labeled Penny Hardaway as a booster because the story goes he's originally from Nashville and then somewhere was junior in high school. He moved to Memphis and Penny was the high school coach at Memphis and apparently paid to help the relocation expenses, what they said was like $11,000 in total. But the reason it's in trouble now is because Penny paid Memphis a number of years back to have like a something in his name, therefore clarifying him as a booster, which means James Wiseman's getting illegal benefits, da-da-da. So his season's in jeopardy. The reason he got to play there night is because immediately his lawyers and Memphis lawyers got a – a temporary restraining order against the NCAA, which allows him to play. To me, the NCAA is back at it again. Um, yeah. Yeah, this isn't a good look, especially the fight you're already having right now with the NCAA and stuff. It's just making your case worse. The, the kid, it's the same way with you on the football side of things. Chase Young, presumed could be number one pick in the NFL draft from Ohio State suspended for a number of games because last year the bowl game he paid to have his girlfriend get a flight to come watch him in one of the biggest games of his life and that's a violation like the NCAA just but of course 
let you know let a kid pay for his girlfriend to come watch him play or or let a coach help out a kid I know even if it's recruiting violations because he ended up coaching but still let somebody pay for a kid to get relocated in the family temporarily or whatever and pay the money back but that that's not okay but the NCAA is like oh this same kid who's a superstar who's driving in revenue money off of name value shirts da 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 that's drawing in millions for the NCAA universities that's okay. We'll, we'll take your money, but God forbid you get any help along the way. Whatever. I, as a basketball fan, you don't have to like Memphis. You don't have to like Penny Hardaway. But you still want to see James Wiseman play. You want to see the best talent play. I got my fingers crossed that he can beat this somehow and he gets to play. My only – I'm going to say one thing about this, and this does annoy me. You mentioned the Chase Young situation, which is ridiculous. The whole James Wiseman situation is ridiculous. You suspend those two, you give those guys punishments, but yet Sean Miller and Will Wade somehow gets to coach. How is that even possible? Actively getting paid millions of dollars. Well, um, our, the coaches. Our, our buddy, wow. well, I say our buddy, but Jay, Jay Billis has been taking the task all the time, especially with these news that came out. He said, again, coaches are allowed to get a fair trial and due process. They're still allowed to coach when they're under investigation. But, oh, no, let a player or an athlete get this, and they're immediately ruled um, ineligible, suspended, and everything. It's not fair. I think that's a different situation because these things, allegations, can take up to nine months. If you're a one-and-done player, it's already behind you by the time it's by the time it starts. It, it needs to be a speedy, quick, swift, swift uh, smack of the broom there with uh, the justice, regardless of what it is, yay or nay. This, this gray area with the NCAA is – the beat goes on with these sons of bitches. They just keep doing it. And with uh, the player likenesses becoming available too, I think I think it's a, a reason why they're getting getting more tedious on people getting money or whatever, this help, all this crap. But it's it's just not a good look for the NCAA. That's that's I think that's another part of why some of these kids are deciding to go play in places like Australia and the European League and stuff like that because they don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah, it's going to end up being uh, the long-term death of college athletics. And I know people are like, well, it's against paying and all this. But, man, I still – it's like this. If you are having your likeness and you're generating money for a certain business or a certain university or a corporation, you should get some of that money back. You should get some of that kickback. And don't give me the scholarship BS. I don't want to hear this. No other walks of life. We went on this rant before, so I'll try to save it. But no other walks of life and business or anything. Are you penalized for being really good at, at a job? No other walk, like no other college student. All other college students are allowed to get jobs. Athletes can't now. They, they can't. They're not allowed to have a part-time job. You can't do anything. Yeah, I know they get a stipend and it's like maybe two or three thousand dollars a month or whatever, and I get it, but it still doesn't make it right. How about if one of you guys out there listening or whatever, go start a business or you become really popular, you have a YouTube channel, you become really popular, people know you, but you can't make likeness off of your you can't make uh, money off your own likenesses off the stuff that you've worked and branded for. I know these kids are uh you know, whatever you can say, well, they just play basketball or football or baseball, but that's their life work. It's not like they woke up as a child and like, oh, I'm really good at this. They have to put the work in. They have to go grind and do this stuff. That's dumb themselves are their business. 
How are you going to tell somebody else, especially if they're generating money for your corporation, your university or whatever, that you can't make money off of that? They're their own business. I dare anybody else to go start a business or whatever, become super popular and all of a sudden can't cash in on it because some body of government says, well, no, really, you know, you can't do that. This is what makes America supposed to be great, right? Capitalism, all this other stuff. Yep. You have a right. You have every opportunity to go from from a, a broke person, but if you work hard enough or hit, the, maybe even just hit the lottery, right? Then you can become wealthy. Man, the NCAA is trash. <clears throat> They're garbage. Ridiculous. Garbage. So I know as basketball fans, you don't have to like Penny Hardaway. You don't have to like his antics. You don't have to like Memphis. You don't have to like none of it. But as basketball fans, college basketball fans, I'm hoping you're all root for James Wiseman to get a play. Yeah. So I want him to play. He's like the top two player in the draft next year. I want him to play. I want to see him play. I want to see him play against Oregon. I top really, two. Who you got? Sorry, real quick. Who's your second? Uh, Anthony Evans. If you get somebody. From Georgia. Who, Cole Anthony? No. LaMelo no, Ball? LaMelo Ball. I oh, dude, he is killing He's it. killing it. He's killing it. Don't forget that. He's Even though his dad's a fucking idiot. You want to talk about dropping a brand? We'll go off topic here. He is killing himself with big baller. You just took a shit. You're done. <laughs> yeah, well, well Lamelo, I think, kind of like dissing himself too. Like, he, he he's staying real quiet and like working hard over there. Lamelo's the real deal. Be. He's the real deal. You're gonna see it. I'd love seeing him in college too. If his dad wouldn't have screwed that up for him. Oh my god! Yeah, I'd love to see him in college right now. He's a phenomenal player. I really do like the kid. Yeah, I really like him. Yeah. He can ball. Yeah. I didn't like him three years ago, but he turned. He same turned, here. He turned the corner the exact same way. But again, James Wiseman, CA, even the Chase Young situation, college football, Ohio State. Let the kids play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like they did something so egregious. Let them play. It, just let them pay the money back. We're right. Let them pay the money back. If it's that big a deal, you have to pay it back by January, or you can't. You're whatever, right? Let him pay it back. And that's the thing. Chase Young did pay the money back. Yeah, he did. He this did. was self-identified, too. He told the NCAA about this. That was last year it happened, too. So. Fucking Kyle Guy went to the NBA because he couldn't get gifts from his wedding party. He couldn't do a wedding registry. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, get out of here. Like NCAA, whatever. But anyways, another <laughs> piece of news I thought was uh, heartwarming and touching. We told you back in, uh, was it January, late last year, Wisconsin assistant coach, um, his wife was killed in a car wreck. I think maybe his, some family too. But anyways, his wife was killed in a car wreck. It injured him or whatever, right? Um, Wisconsin's home opener the other night, they uh, they played a tribute video before the game, and they allowed his son. His son's like 12, 13, something like that. They suited him up and announced him in the starting lineup, and uh, it was a heartwarming deal. It was really cool. The video's on ESPN. If you want to go check it out, the video is everywhere, really. ESPN, Fox, uh, Twitter. Just go look it up. It's a very, very cool gesture. So, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of honoring uh, their assistant coach and the memory of his wife and stuff and letting their son. He was dressed up and, like, they had him in a Wisconsin uniform. It was, like, number 34. They announced his name, and uh, he got a run out there. The, the players made, like, a tunnel for him. He came, Very cool video. Go watch it. Seriously, go watch it. Very yeah, cool. That's cool to see. I love hearing stuff about that. Very, very cool gesture. Um, we <laughs> talked about Miles Powell's injury. Was he a good high ankle or ankle sprain? It's an ankle sprain. Yeah. Ankle sprain out indefinitely. We'll say. Yeah. We don't know for sure how long he's out. Injury. But let's hope a speedy recovery for 
Miles Powell. Yes, definitely want to see him get back. Man, how about um, Merrimack, new to D1, goes and knocks off. Their second D1 game in school history goes off and beats Northwestern by 10 points. Oh, my God. Crazy, right? Utah, Tyler alluded to, almost beat a team by 100. So, but other than that, Clayton, let's go and get into your recruiting news. I know we've talked about the injuries and stuff like that. Have we mentioned Jalen Wilson broke his foot? Oh, we didn't. He broke his ankle. Ankle. I thought it was foot. I thought you said ankle. I think it's his ankle. Uh, Either way, foot, it's something down there. Yeah, it's something don't, don't rub it in, damn it. Let's roll, get, get out of here. He, he broke <laughs> his ankle. Yes, good wishes to – I forgot about that. Good wishes to um, Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson, star freshman from Kansas. Um yeah, we sent our condolences out to uh, his former AAU coach, or at least family friend, that's in the Facebook group. Shout out to Joshua Woodson. He's supposed to be relaying the message to Jalen for us, so that's tough. Yeah, Very that's tough. not good. Um, Hopefully he can recover and get a play this season. Yep. Uh, back to recruiting news, I don't got much. As the season starts, as we get to the season, I'm only going to do commitments now for recruiting news. Just keep it short. Um, anyways, starting off, 2020 top 30 prospect, Moses Moody has committed to Arkansas. Uh, 2024 star, Matt Mill has committed to Ole Miss, to SEC commitments there. Uh, 2024 star, Puff Johnson has committed to North Carolina. He's the little brother of Cam Johnson. Go watch the video. Some have posted it in the group. Uh, it's very cool, very cool video of his commitment. But the biggest one. And it happened Tuesday before the game started. We was at Cooks watching games, and it happened, and I laughed my ass off. Five-star 2020 guard Cade Cunningham has committed to Oklahoma State. And you talked about Evan Daniels pitting predictions for Kentucky. I got this one right. I stuck to my guns. Even after all the rumors, the crystal ball shifted from Oklahoma State 80% to Kentucky like 70% or something like that. Evan Daniels has now not – he does not have a perfect percentage for the 2020 class. He finally got one wrong. I got this right. I stuck to my guns. With all the rumors happening, I knew he was playing Kentucky. He said he was this – he was very close to committing to another school, and obviously that other school is Kentucky. But he wanted to go to Oklahoma State because his brother was an assistant coach. I knew this one. I called it. This makes me 4 for 5 on my predictions on the website, ecvpodcast10.com. I, I will. I gave him a hard time. I really bought into it. I, I thought, especially when Evan Daniels went crystal ball to Kentucky, I thought for sure he was coming to the Cats. Peyton stuck to it. There's been proof in the pudding for a couple months now since we got the site up. You guys go check it out. I'm telling you, Peyton knows his stuff. It's hard to go against him. Um, I, I really bought into the fact that he was coming to the Cats and Peyton – Peyton never wavered. He stuck to Oklahoma State. So, I'm telling you guys need to pay attention to him. You bought into the hype, and mm. I did not. But Oklahoma State's going to be really good next year. Yeah. A couple four stars. Now Cade Cunningham <clears throat> aboard. Bring back presumably a couple people from this team. Oklahoma State could be real good next year. And Bryce Thompson's going to commit. He might commit to Oklahoma State. JT Thor could commit to Oklahoma State. They could be happen. next year's Memphis of this year. Yeah, and in a better conference in Big 12. Come get you some. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Great commit, though. Yeah, no kidding. I'm happy I called that one. Just saying. He did. <laughs> but anyways, that's it. That's all. He that's the only thing I got. That's it. He that's did. it. High profile. Uh, oh, yeah. But real quick, um, Moody, top 50 guy, top 30 guy, committing to Arkansas. 
great pickup for Eric Musselman. He's we said that's a great hire. He's going to do big things there down at the Razorbacks. Yeah, he's going to be a star player next year. So let's go ahead and start getting into some of our favorite segments here. Let's go with where are we going to go. Let's go on the bank on it. Tyler, me and you are zero and one. To start bank on an offer this year. Peyton actually one and zero. Let's see if we can uh, get back to five hundred this week. Tyler, I'm taking. Bank I'm taking some gambles this year. I don't give a shit. It, it's high risk, high reward. I'm going Russian roulette style. I am picking the fight in the Illini to go into Arizona and knock off the Wildcats. No point prediction. I'm just saying the upset. Illinois goes in. Beats uh, Arizona Wildcats, Nico Manning. I thought you were going to be one of my guys to to ride all year. Your first couple performances have really kind of pissed me off. So uh, you and your redheaded antics are are getting put down this week or tonight, tonight, 9 p.m. So if you guys get an opportunity to listen to this before the game, trying to try and shout me out on this if I'm right or wrong, Illinois takes down Arizona and Nico Manning. <clears throat> I, for mine, 0-1 as well. I'm with Tyler. Some of these I'm trying to think outside the box. Some interesting stuff. I really thought Wisconsin would knock off St. Mary's last week. Came very close to it. I'm going outside the box again. Even though they're not ranked, here's an upset for you. On Tuesday night, give me the Murray State Racers going into Thompson Bowling Arena and knocking off the Tennessee Volunteers. I like Murray State. They, you got to remember John Rent was a star last year, but they had some good pieces. Had a couple really good freshmen last year. This year, already through one game, they're shooting like 50% from three. Guys, I think you got four guys in double figures. I like them stifling uh, Tennessee, getting out and running on them. Murray State Racers upsets Tennessee and Thompson Bowling Arena on Tuesday night. That could be interesting. Uh, my bank on it. Mine is not an upset. It was going to be an upset. It involves Seton Hall and Michigan State. Uh, Miles Powell is most likely not going to get to play in this game. If he would, or if he was 100% for this game, I was going to pick Seton Hall to win this game. I was going to bank on it. But he's most likely not going to play, and if he does, he will not be 100%. Therefore, Michigan State will beat Seton Hall this Thursday by 20 points or more. I do not see anybody from Seton Hall helping carry that scoring load of uh, Miles Powell. And if he does get to play, he's I don't think he'll have a good game. But just a little reminder here, if you guys have been following along with this for a while now, and you looked at our YouTube channel, and you've seen an episode that we did, Virginia versus Duke, the second game, Cook did this thing where he pointed at us, said you're 0-2 in weekly pickups or something like that. Well, I'm going to do the same. Here's my return favorite. Tyler Cook, bank on this season, 0-1. Josh Burton, 0-1. Myself, Peyton, one and oh. It's gonna happen again. I banked on Tyrese Maxey and it Damn. happened. It's a miracle. I love it. Michigan State will beat Seton Hall this Thursday by 20 points or more. Bank you should blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. You should have <laughs> seen me. We were watching that Kentucky game and Tyrese at 23 and that big shot that he hits from like 30 feet out that kind of cinched the game against Michigan State. Tyrese lets it go, and Peyton gets up off the couch. He's like, <gasps> and then he hits it, and he screams like, F yeah, yeah, Tyrese, because it gave him 26, and he predicted 25 or more. Hold on. Funny story about that you just mentioned. I was going to mention it here later, but let's go ahead and do it now. So we're downstairs watching this game. Our dad's upstairs watching the game. He's like a couple seconds ahead of us. 
So he's kind of spawning some stuff, and Tyrese actually has the ball. Clark, shot clock's going down 10, 9, 8, and all of a sudden, I hear my dad, we hear our dad, so, yeah, it's up clapping. Tyrese Maxey has the damn ball. He starts to pull up. I'm like, wait, he just started clapping. Something just happened. I saw him raise up from the couch. He shoots the ball from, I don't know how long. It was deep. It was from about 30 feet out. It may have been NBA range. It was deep as hell. He hits it. I run up and freaking jump up, do a soccer celebration. About slipped and hit my ass on the floor. Yeah, Terry uh, ACL. I, yeah, I literally <laughs> almost slipped and fell. He hit that shot. I went nuts. Just saying, I was cheering for Tyrese Maxey. He was not cheering for Kentucky. Just saying. Let's get me your shout-outs, Tyrese. Okay. Um, shout-outs. My number one shout-out. I'm the first one. Uh, Marcus Howard for scoring 38 points in a win over Loyola. And he is now Marquette's all-time leading scorer. Shout-out to him. My second shout-out goes to Cole Anthony for scoring 34 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, and 1 steal in his debut game from North Carolina against Notre Dame. And he now holds the record for most points ever scored by a player in a UNC debut. And my third shout-out, my final shout-out, the most important one, I just mentioned his name from a banquet, Tyrese Maxey for scoring over 25 points, like I predicted, and giving me my first ever banquet. Listen to this. Oh, gosh. Are you for real? You're a freshman, baby. <laughs> you know you're catching shit for every loss you get now, right? Oh, yeah, my it's God. Over. It's over. That announcing <laughs> job of Dick Rose House hilarious. You're a freshman, baby. You're not supposed to do that. I loved it. But, yeah, that was the basket we're talking about. What? <laughs> Get your shout out. Animation coming from the voice of uh, Peyton Burton over here. We got some, we got some shout outs over here. We talk about good backcourts in Kentucky. Well, I got one that's under the radar. With nineteenth ranked Xavier in their first two games, Tyreek Jones and Najee Marshall on Tuesday they each dropped seventeen points. Turn around on Friday, they both dropped twenty. They are both averaging 18 and a half for the backcourt for the Xavier Musketeers. Shout out to you boys out there doing it early. Next, I am not afraid to do this, to Duke's defense Tuesday night. Regardless if some of these were self-inflicted or not, it was because of the five defenders on the floor for Duke forcing Kansas into 28 turnovers, their second most all time. So shout out to Duke's defense. Here's one that's a little more unconventional. During the uh, UNC Greensboro, Kansas game, World War II vet bomber pilot Emilio Madden. He was a mechanical mechanical engineer graduate from Kansas. He played football, basketball, and baseball all for the University of Kansas. He was celebrating his hundredth birthday on what was it Thursday night? Thursday night for a with the Kansas, he's an alumni, 100 years old, World War II vet, graduate, played the big three sports for the school. Shout out to you, sir. You've done more with your little with your time on earth than any three of us could do in comparison. So big shout out due to you, uh, Emilio, or Elmo Madden. If that's, I'm saying your name wrong, I apologize, but it's spelled like Elmo, like Tickle Me Elmo. 
So Elmo Madden. That's very cool. Um, very, 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 very cool. I love stuff like that. Here, here's two other things. Um, shout outs, kind of in similar vein in a way. You know, we talk about players making plays, talk about Miles Powell, talking about Marcus Howard. Here, here's my first two shout outs of the three, special for different reasons. Number one, my number one shout out would be Andrew Brown of Texas. Scored a career-high 20 points in the opener. I don't remember how he did last night, but 20 points career opener. He could score one point, no points, two points, 50 points, doesn't matter. He's the kid that fought leukemia, missed all last year pretty much. I think he got to play two games. But fought leukemia, beat the disease, and he's the same one. Even going through treatments, he'd be dribbling the basketball and doing workouts and stuff. Comes back from that um, obviously devastating uh, former cancer and stuff. Back playing basketball at a high level, 20 points in the debut, great story. Another great story. You go to Kent State, Khalil or is it Khalil or Kalen? Kalen Bennett from Kent State not only was the first ever D1 basketball player to get a D1 scholarship at the university, but he became the first ever kid with all or player with autism to score a point in a D1 collegiate basketball game. Um, I mean, he's got autism, and it doesn't stop him. Uh, this is my job. Literally, my day job is working with guys and gals with uh, all sorts of forms of um, – I don't even want to call them mental handicaps, but you get the idea. And this this dude has fought autism his whole life. He goes to college. He's not only going to college and living a, a good lifestyle there and being a good, you know, good student, but he was talented enough. Playing collegiate basketball at a, at a mid-major like Kent State, got in the game the other night, scored a point. Great, great story with him and Andrew Brown. It's hard not to root for kids like that. Third and final shout-out, we go to Oregon State. We predicted Oregon State in our Pac-12 to be a potential bubble team to make the NCAA tournament. Started the year off with a big win, blew out um, UC Santa Barbara, I think it was. But they go on the road last night to Iowa State. We know how tough it is to win in Ames, Iowa. Come out with a win, 80-74. to 74. My Pac-12 player of the year, Trace Tinkle, 27 in the opener, 25 on the road against Iowa State. Keep an eye on the Beavers. I think they are the real deal. I think they can be top half of the Pac-12 and make the NCAA tournament. Trace Tinkle is an absolute monster scorer. He is this year's um, – what's the kid from South Dakota? Mike Dom. Keep an eye on him can score the basketball. Those are my three shout-outs. Moving on real quick, real, like, real quick, um, let's go on to final thoughts. My final thoughts, you, week one's already done past us. Week two, now we're starting to get a thick of things in college basketball. We're all excited. You guys are doing a tremendous job. Our two game threads for the major games of the Champions Classic went well. Let's continue to build. Next month, we're only about a month away from the return of um, weekly pick you guys are doing a great job. Just went over 400 members in the Facebook group, so thank you guys for that. Continue to enjoy. Continue to support us. Share, like, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Thank you for sticking with us this long. Uh, my final thoughts isn't about a game or anything like that. You kind of already mentioned it, but I just want to say thank you to all for 400 members. We're currently at 401 members. This is a big milestone for me, at least. Um, I never thought when we started this we were going to get 400 members, but you know what? We did it, so thank you guys. Thank you to all the new guys who joined. And thank you all to people who was there last year who stuck with us. Uh, we're going to keep pushing content out. And just shout out to all you guys. And thank you so much for 400 members.
Yep. The injury bug is kind of stricken early this year. It's it's no fault to anybody, but it's just, it's just a hard thing to see for people who are out for a game or for a season. And the NCAA bug has been biting as well, coming out here and taking kids off the floor for bad reasons and then not doing anything to the people who are manipulating these kids in the wrong direction. You know, LSU, well, whatever we want to do. We got a couple of names out there we, we can throw out, but it's, it's just sad to see kids getting off the off the court due to injury and or uh, certain violations that A, they either don't have no control over or B, was an accidental violation or, or self-reported and went ahead and fixed it themselves in the college side, college football side. But uh, like we talked about earlier, we want to see the best of the best. We don't want these kids going overseas and playing games when we're asleep at 2 in the morning in Australia, stuff like that. We want them over here. We want them playing on the biggest stage getting ESPN coverage day in and day out. We want to see that. So it's it's a it's a bad injury start to the season, but it's going to it's just going to get better. I, I think Miles Powell initially is going to get better come in and play, but uh this this injury thing has been been a very hard and heavy thing already at the beginning of the season. Yeah, um that's definitely just you know sucks. Before we get out of here, quick updates on these two games we've been talking about. Under 12 timeout, 11.47 left to go in the game. Florida State 42-31 or Florida 31. The Gators, number six. They have a chance to crack top five in next week's poll tomorrow when it comes out. Can't afford a loss. Florida State's owned them the last couple years as well. I think they've won the last three or three of the last four or whatever it may be. So Leonard Hamilton company bouncing back right now. Still 11, some chains left to play. Florida's good enough to come back. Louisville currently three – 58 left to go on the first half, up 36-21 on Youngstown State. I think Louisville will go to number two. I think Duke goes to number three. But if Duke goes to three, I think or goes to two, I think Louisville goes to three. We'll find out tomorrow. I actually think the top five could look something similar to Kentucky one, Duke two, Louisville three. I think Gonzaga moves up to four. I think they don't penalize Michigan State that much. I think they go to five. I think that's your top five. Then if you go six through ten, I mean – Maybe North Carolina six, Kansas will only fall to like seventh, uh, not that bad. And then eight, nine, ten, Memphis will be in there probably. Virginia probably sneaks in, and then whoever, right? Louisville um, number two. Yeah, uh, I like to see Louisville number two. I think Kentucky and Louisville staff the best two teams. Mike, real quick, I think Kentucky one, Duke two, Louisville three, Michigan State four, and Kansas five. I don't see Michigan State or Kansas falling out of the top four or top five. Yeah, I don't think they can penalize them that much. Regardless, a couple spots here and there, but. You know, it's not going to be a mega drop, or at least it shouldn't be. So, with that said, this is episode 43. Um, we got another full slate of games this week, rank versus rank, and all that stuff. So, make sure you guys are checking in, hopping on the Facebook group, check the website. We will start, we'll have more updates throughout the week. And with that being said, I am Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Tyler Cook. And we will catch you this upcoming week for the rest of week two of college basketball. We'll see you then. Boom! Boom.